comic. Why so serious? What? I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger mission. Logic. Dance off, bro! Me and you! Comic. What? Logic. Out of 600 volunteers. A secret experiment gave one man the strength of a hundred. The rest of the world, he's just codenamed Captain America. And the power to save millions. The Jerry's had an experimental rocket ready to fire at a target somewhere in the United States. Only he could defeat a superhuman madman. They got a fella called the Red Skull heading up their outfit. All we can hope to get in there is one good man. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> hey, God. everybody. Welcome to Comic Logic. This is this is going to be a good one. Um, I'm your host, Joe, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Kevin. Hello. Um, today Buongiorno. <laughs> Buongiorno. Today, we are talking about the 1990 masterpiece, <laughs> Captain America, made-for-TV masterpiece. Directed to video. Not, not made-for-TV. Made TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But TV is the only place anyone ever saw it. You know what? Actually, another thing about that should have been our number one is... Uh, number one direct-to-video movie. <laughs> I, well, and I looked at I lo- I did look into that, and that's such a like I mean, there's, it's such a it's so Terrible. hard to it's find ter- that yeah. list, and it, it generally means the movie's not very good. Oh no, not at all, not at all. Um, so yeah, we're discussing the 1990 direct-to-video European collaboration Captain America. Um, so we start. I'm gonna start off this podcast like I start off every podcast. Kevin, what did you know about? Canon films. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a, a decent amount. Um, yeah. Although I, I really wish I had remembered um, to watch that documentary. Yeah. Did, did you watch it? Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Okay. Um, that's why it's kind of on your mind right now. Yeah, that's uh, it's part of the reason. Actually, this is... Electric a, Boogaloo yeah. is the movie from last year, maybe? It was like They're a year or two. Fairly recently. Yeah, it was, it's, At uh, least on Netflix. It, or it was. I, I know it was recently. It's, it's gone. It might Hopefully be gone by gone. now. Um, yeah, it's, uh, Ken Films was a, a film group that was, uh, began in 1967. It was actually founded by, uh, two Israeli gentlemen, uh, Manahem Golem and Yoram Globus. The reason why I bring this up is because this movie was actually 21st Century Pictures, which was a split off of Canon Group after Canon fell apart in the late 80s. Early after 80s. they declared bankruptcy, basically, and folded after being $600 million in debt. Thank you, Superman, for the quest for peace. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was started in 1967. It was actually a distribution company that pretty much created uh, English language Swedish softcore pornography films. They would take Swedish pornography mm-hmm. films and either redo them in English or they would redub them into English. Um, they got a little bit of mainstream success in Israel um, by they uh, um, they did their version. I can't remember. I think it was called Lemon. Why can't I think of it right now? But they did it. It's it's the Israeli version of The Last American Virgin. They remade it okay. in America as The Last American Virgin. Hmm. You know, one of those 80s kind of like coming of age stories. It's really mm. weird. It's kind of like like the entire movie's like this laugh a minute where the guy's looking at girls in the showers. And then there's like an abortion scene, just like mm-hmm. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Where yeah. You're like laughing and you're like, oh, <laughs> ew. Uh, uh. <laughs> now uh, I'm depressed. Yes, exactly. Um. They were really known in America for like their low budget movies that 
made a ton of money. Uh, a lot of action movies, Death Wish, Delta Force. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a lot of people got their started with start with mm-hmm. them. A lot Art, of Van Damme movies. Van Damme, uh, Chuck Norris. Mm-hmm. He would do that sort of stuff. Um, they worked with Toby Hooper a lot. There's a lot of horror. Um, not a ton of horror. You don't really but... work with Toby Hooper so much as you just give him <laughs> a ton Hooper of... Toby Hooper gives you a weird movie. <laughs> you give him a ton of cocaine, and he brings you a weird, weird movie. Um, they're also known for the Break-In uh, break series, of uh, uh, the Breakdance movies. Yes. Break-In and Break-In 2, Electric Boogaloo. Break-In, great movie where they dance to save the rec hall or whatever mm-hmm. else have you. Break-In 2, Electric Boogaloo, <laughs> a mind-bleepery of a film, if Yo, you've ever yes. seen it. They're like really dancing depressing on the cash grab. <laughs> just yeah, dancing not about anything. Yeah, they did a lot of. Um, I guess you'd call them Skinamax movies. They were movies that would be on late night cable where you got to see boobs because you didn't have the internet back then. They, they did a movie called Lady Chatterley's Lover, Lover yes. which I've told you about. Uh, <laughs> that was a very formative movie for me uh, as an adolescent, um, and has a really <clears throat> weird supporting role by. Adam West. It does. Adam West is in that movie. And it's the weirdest thing. He never engages in anything, although he does appear shirtless briefly. <laughs> they also did um, you know, another two movies like that. Bolero, which uh, I believe had um, that that had the weird whipping scene. It had, um, uh, what's her name? From from 10. Why can't I think of her name? Bo Derek. They had oh, Bo yeah, Derek yeah. in it, and that was yep. like one of her big ones. And oh, uh, yeah. Mata Hari, which was another one that was 85. Um, they did you know movies like uh, they even did Zeffirelli's Othello. <laughs> they, yeah. they they distributed that one. Um, yeah, they did a ton of those movies, and they tried to make it big in the later '80s by doing a couple bigger budget ones. Um, he Man. Um, yeah, they did the Masters, Masters of the, of the Universe, Universe '87. Yeah, God. Dolph Lundgren and uh, Frank Langella, mm-hmm. and a very young uh, um, Courtney Cox Arquette. Yes, mm-hmm. pre Arquette. <laughs> yeah, but yes. Billy uh, Billy Baldy was in that one too. Oh God, he played. Uh, one of these days, we should talk about that one just for kicks. <laughs> we should. It was um, so bad. Um, and they probably they were in Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. They got the license, uh, and they basically gave a blank check to um, Christopher Reeves and said, do what you want with it. And that movie is awful. That's one where Superman fights the sun guy right. <laughs> with the long fingernails, and, like electric fingernails. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and they were – the reason why I bring them up is because they had the rights to a bunch of superhero movies. And one of them that they were trying to get done was Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Toby one, Hooper was going to direct the Spider-Man. Uh, yeah, Toby Hooper was going to direct the Spider-Man. The Spider-Man. <laughs> I love how you always pronounce him like a Jewish accountant. I do. <laughs> Spider-Man. Exactly. His name is Herschel Spider-Man. <laughs> and they, you know, they, they tried to get the Spider-Man. From the New Jersey Spider-Mans. They, they, uh, they put out this whole big press release saying that one of their things were, was, was that they would put out these things like saying, we got Spider-Man, we're going to have this, 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 and this. Yeah. And it would basically, they would put out all the pro- the notes on it saying mm-hmm. like this is what we're going to do and hoping to right. get investors before the movie was even made in the late right in the late 80s there was they put out this thing of you know january i think it was 86 it was like january was like going to be captain america then uh like superman 5 yeah which obviously never happened and then yeah spider-man and then like masters of the universe 2 yeah which never happened it was this really Actually, weird slate the the script for masters of the universe 2 got turned into the movie cyborg oh with van damme yes directed by our uh captain america director uh what's his name albert 
Pyun. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm probably not saying that right. It's P-Y-U-N. That's our director of the movie we're talking about today. Uh, this was That was what he directed right before this. The... I, I highly recommend going and watching Electric Boogaloo just because if you grew up in the 1980s or even somewhat in the 1990s, you remember a lot of these films because they yeah. were played right. nonstop on television. You'd catch them on regular TV or basic cable or even premium cable. They'd yeah. run inexplicably for yeah, a while. They, a lot of the booby flicks, they would run on cable quite sure. a bit. Um, and probably... Uh, um, and if you grew up in my house, your dad inexplicably recorded <laughs> some of them, and then that's what you got your uh, grubby preteen hands on. Yeah, I mean, you uh, <laughs> two of two of the ones that I really remember very well, aside from Masters of the Universe, is King Solomon's Mines, which I mentioned earlier, had Richard Chamberlain in it. That's the the Alan Quartermain, yeah, uh, the books or whatever oh, they were that he, they tried to do this Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones knockoff. There was that one, and what was the other one? Uh, I don't remember the there other. Was a, this one there I was remember a second the most. one that yeah. came out like back to back, and they were terrible. And uh, Cobra with Sylvester Stallone, yes. which I mentioned, I think, on a previous podcast. Uh-huh. Um, also, American Ninja was also one of their big ones. They they would do yeah. that one. It was Van With Michael Damme too, right? No, Michael Dudikoff. Oh, it's the Dudikoff. It's the is. dudes. Mm. If, if you watch Psych, he's referenced quite a bit on that show. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I highly recommend it because it's it's like a nostalgia bomb. Like you remember all these movies, and you had no idea that these two lunatics, these two Israeli lunatics, were behind this entire uh, thing, and they were just doing it for. Really, they were trying to get legitimacy in the movie mm-hmm. industry, but they, these two were just having so much fun doing it. Like they were cranking out movies after movies after movies. It's, it's, it's something like they were putting out like thirty to forty. A very Corman esque pace. Yeah, they were doing like thirty to forty movies a year, which for sure. a studio is insane. Yeah, um, but yeah, however, the big studios now will only do like twelve, twelve a year. Yeah, yeah. At most. Yeah, and the, um, the big two, and that's even like that's today's schedule, which is. You know, really slow in comparison to how they used to do it. Yeah. But even then, it would be like twenty to twenty-five movies, maybe, mm-hmm. and they were doing like f- twice as many. Yeah. Um, I bring this up because, as you mentioned, they went bankrupt in the late eighties, six hundred million dollars in debt, and they actually split off into a couple different companies. And uh, Globus actually got twenty-first century pictures, which kept the rights to Captain America in mm-hmm. in the divorces. They like to mention as it. <laughs> right. They call it the divorce. Funny story is, um, as I was I was reading about this, specifically the Captain America movie, prior to us watching it, which we literally just watched it today, so that's always fun when we do that. Um, they briefly lost the rights to the Captain America movie in the mid-80s because they missed a payment yeah. to Marvel, uh, to, to Stan Lee. They missed a check, and they lost it, and... They managed to, to, to pull it back and, and get it together. Because no one in the 1980s wanted to make a Captain America movie, so it was Apparently okay to do not. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, because in the late 70s, there were two really awful, actually made-for-TV versions with, uh, what was his name, Reb, uh, what was his weird name? I don't know, some, some guy who's basically best known for that. Yeah. Maybe I, trying to get a series off the ground or something. Yeah, probably. That was probably what it was. He had the mm-hmm. motorcycle too, right? Yeah, that's what yeah, it, yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah, goofy motorcycle helmet. Yeah, <laughs> the goofy motorcycle helmet. <laughs> I'd like you to meet Richard Ehrlich. He's a special observer sent by President Roosevelt. A remarkable work, Dr. Vaselli. Congratulations. All right, so like every good Captain America movie, you start off in fascist Italy. 
with a family of ten aimless Italians getting gunned down in their homes. Well, you like set, all children's let's movies. Set the begin. Scene. This is a great, you know, Italian family dinner. They're eating pasta, drinking their wine. <laughs> Talking about how Mussolini is going to make make Italy great again. <laughs> <laughs> makes the trains run on makes time. Makes the trains run on time. And all of a sudden, not a single train in this whole movie. <laughs> there was a, and it's not like the in a typical Nazi fashion or Italian fascist fashion. It's not like, hello, the fascists. We're here. <laughs> fascists are here. <laughs> we're, we're here for your son. They jump in through the windows yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like clumsy <laughs> Italian ninjas. <laughs> And just the father stands up and says something not subtitled that has to be like, why did you just jump into my home through the window and they shoot him? We're at war with Abyssinia. Do you know how much glass costs? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So, yeah, the Italians come in and they abduct their son, who's a a prodigy. They're like, and and literally the Mussolini walks in. Yeah. Some big bad guy. This guy doing a great Donald Trump impression walks in, and he's you know he's wearing the full garb with the fez with everything on it. And you're like, I I, I don't think they'd wear that. (laughs) Go, they abduct the kid and take him to Fort Lorenzo, as opposed to Fort Emilio or Fort Mario. Those were down the way. (laughs) Those down the way, yeah. To do an experiment, they're going to make. These the stronger and faster, yeah, uh, wrinkly red super soldiers. <laughs> yeah, basically, they, they show the film and then they show like the stop motion rat that's all red yeah. and gross. Which I was like, off to a good start here. <laughs> I like the little stop motion, the little weirdness. Very Reanimator. I like. Yeah, it, it was very Reanimator. Yeah, the movie that's on Netflix right now. Weirdly, uh, Toby Hooper. Yeah, and they. So they they take this boy and there's this Italian woman's like no no I'm not the bambino and they're like yes the bambino see si, see si, the bambino right. and then they like they gun down his entire family, family which of course is the best way to ensure uh, the child's cooperation yeah, the with your cause loyalty to the fascist party right it's yeah. never it's not going to be like you know you know son now if you come with us. You know, we'll return you home to your family. It's, yeah. But then they secretly kill them. Yeah. It's like, no, uh, they just gun them down right in front of them because what are feelings? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> hey, it's Italy. <laughs> so they, uh, yeah, so they zap him. The nurse escapes. Oh, the, the doc- she's the doctor. She's the doctor overseeing yeah, well, the program, not, and she says this yeah. is no good. Let's not sell the woman short, Kevin. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I didn't write, you know, it was a it was a mess of a movie. That <laughs> she jumps out l- the window. <laughs> also, everyone's jumping out of windows in this movie. In and out of windows. There's so much windows in this movie. <laughs> it's like anytime there was a part in the script where they're like exits through door, they like scratch it out. Like no, 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 we put it through window. It's better with window. <laughs> so she jumps out the window and escapes to America, where we meet Steve Rogers, aka JD Salinger's son. Yes, the, Matt Salinger, the the son of JD, author JD Salinger, JD Salinger of Catcher in the Rye fame. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, what was it? And Franny and Zoe. Franny and Zoe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other only other JD Salinger book that I can yeah, mention. I don't. Yeah, a famous recluse JD Salinger. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Thomas Pynchon's son wasn't available. <laughs> so. Oh, we're just gonna get more and more obscure with these jokes, people. So hang on. <laughs> Just have Google nearby. <laughs> no. Our listeners know who Pynchon is. <laughs> so, so They've read Gravity's Rainbow. <laughs> I tried. Yeah, we've all tried. <laughs> so I, so uh, Steve Rogers is off to go to war, but he's not really going off to war because they never really kind of explain it. He has a limp, so he's not able to really go to war. 
Yeah, I, so briefly, I recognize, so we watched the version of this movie that's, that's probably the, the the original video version that is available on YouTube. With questionable legality, but a decent <laughs> copy yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so if you've never seen this movie, before they take it down, go, see go it. ahead go and watch just it. watch it. Um, it's only like an hour it's, long. <laughs> it's super dumb. Uh, but... The um, the director has actually said... So there's actually a Blu-ray release of this, inexplicably. Just, I don't know how that happens, but the Blu-ray is out. And I think it's a restored director's cut that has supposedly some 13 minutes of additional footage. You know, every director seems to believe that, like, no, my version made a lot more sense and explained a lot. And his thing was that um, he had said... He, uh, he said that, you know, he, he believed that uh, his version better got to uh, got more to the point of, you know, Steve Rogers, like what that means for him to be both, and this is his words, not mine, to be both a hero and an American. Oh, and that was something that he wanted to get at, you know, what it means to really be an American and to be a hero, you know, in that world. Um, I doubt that it does that. <laughs> well, considering the but fact it, that the last 20 minutes of this movie were slow shots of people's faces. <laughs> right. I kid, it was like five minutes of the movie, but it's just like they left this in, but they cut out like important story elements. Right. Yeah. So, but I believe that he had polio. Yeah. And that's, that's why he yeah. had the limp, although he's jumping over fences and stuff before they even did anything yeah. to him. So, I mean, he was, <laughs> the, the best, he would have been able to call in drone strikes at any rate. And the best part about it is, is so you have, um, uh, you have these two generals who are like, yeah, this woman has the secret, the secret process that can, can make you the, the equivalent of the greatest athletes available. And Kevin's sitting there going like, how could they don't just get good athletes? Why do they got to get the <laughs> cripple guy first? You got to get the guy with the, 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 the handicap and make him an athlete as opposed to taking an athlete and, and making him a super, super athlete. Yeah. It's the same thing that they do in Captain America all, the whole time it's like you could find a, an able-bodied man this is to volunteer yeah this is 1940s America they were spraying DDT over <laughs> like, all of us they did the Tuskegee the experiments. experiments if you just, want to go just do that yeah if you really want to go like like super super dark right, right. there yeah yeah you get the yeah, we could, they do they did that it's not like they couldn't they couldn't find any numerous schmo enlisting in the army and be like all right, there, Tatanka. Let's come on. Let's get these. Let's, let's get. <laughs> I y'all never started. understood that. I never understood why they had to get somebody and then like, well, we'll put you up to this level. Like, if you started with someone who, yeah, knew what they were, you know, could not knew what they were doing, but could, you know, do anything. Yeah, anyway, I mean, it's not. Like, right. It's not like Matt Cylinder was that tiny of a guy. He's, he's just Captain Polio. <laughs> that's that's Roosevelt. <laughs> um, <laughs> Captain Polio, coming to get you. Take that, Hitler. <laughs> You know, he's riding around his little wheelchair, punching Nazis. <laughs> so, yeah, the, he he goes, this is an experiment. They take him down there. And it's like within the first 10 minutes of the movie, this happens. Yeah. And he becomes Captain America. And as everyone's congratulating the doctor. They call him Captain America before they even do anything to him. They're like, code name Captain, Captain America. America. Like, they knew what they were doing. They're like, we're inventing a superhero right now. They they take it. Uh, they take 
that congratulated the doctor. <laughs> and this one guy who just in there for no reason goes, Heil Hitler, and shoots her in the gut. He pretends he's going to shake, shake her, her hand, hand. And then he just goes, Heil Hitler. And he, he salutes and then shoots her and then just runs around <laughs> shooting everyone. And then Captain America busts out and throws yeah. into medical equipment, oh, wrecking everything. It's so... Looney Tunes, it's amazing. It's very bonkers, this whole thing. It really sets the tone for, like, what on earth are we watching right now? Yeah, and, and Captain America takes, like, four gut shots with a gun. Oh, yeah. And then he's, like, in the hospital, and they're like, we need him out, because there's a missile that's about to launch in four day, five days. <laughs> yeah. And so Captain America gets up, he's like, let's get to the missile. And immediately they drop him into fascist Italy. Full costume. Full costume. With the shield. Yeah. They have no idea what it's made out of. They don't explain it. Yeah. They don't explain it. They're like, listen, we, we could explain this, but <laughs> he's got to go make Luftwaffels of these Germans over here. <laughs> I made that joke earlier. I don't care. I'm going to say it again. It's a funny joke. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to give them the behind the scenes. It's, so he drops down behind enemy lines and busts his way, and there he meets the Red Skull. Oh, yeah. First of all, we miss the fact that it's seven years later when they're doing this thing because they say on the screen in like the, oh yeah the after worst, the worst font ever the Italian kid gets kidnapped yeah and then turned into the Red Skull and now it's yes. seven uh, seven years later seven years so later he's yeah he's like nineteen twenty he's years twenty old. years old yeah he's his this... head looks like a crazen <laughs> crazen <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they so they get into this fight and Captain America literally has only been Captain America for five days right <laughs> at best at best because I mean he was in the hospital he had to oh, get the bullets taken yeah. out yeah. I mean, so, like, maybe... Yeah. Like, but, he's, say, but he hasn't done anything. Yeah, like, two days. Let's say two days yeah. he's been Captain America. Right. He dropped him behind enemy lines by himself to take out this missile that's going to get launched at the White House. Because um, we all know that Roosevelt's always in the White House. He's never outside the White House. Right. Yeah. So, the, the Red Skull's down there, and he's... They start fighting each other, and now the Red Skull sounds just like Ricardo Montalbán. Yeah. Seriously, he's like, ah, he's Captain America. He <laughs> tests me. Like, why does he have a Spanish accent? What the hell's going on? <laughs> he seems to float in and out of, like, <laughs> heavily Italian and then just, like, weirdly span like, <laughs> then, Spanish. Then, like, some... English and everything else going on there. Um, and while, all while Benito Mussolini is like sitting there watching him, not saying anything, just standing there with his chin up in the air, like yeah. like doing his, his yeah, Mussolini eating linguini, eating linguini, and like drinking Chianti, <laughs> <laughs> being greasy. Um, and, and Captain America fights him and gets then he loses and gets strapped to the missile. Yeah, and, they strap him to the <laughs> missile that they're going to shoot at the White House and. Captain America grabs the Red Skull's arm and pulls it off as the missile gets launched. <laughs> like, seriously, like you'd think that would come into play later on. Like, like Red Skull would be undone by his hand or something like that. Or they nope. would reference the fact that he doesn't have a hand. Never nope. mentioned again. They they mention it. She makes a joke. I'm getting ahead of it. But she the girl makes a joke of like... Oh, we've got a, you know, you're a, a frozen, you know, superhero who's trying to find, like, a, a guy with one, one arm. arm and, like, a red Head. skull or <laughs> yeah. whatever. And, no, he has both arms in, like, every subsequent scene 50 years later. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it could be, like, a like a fake hand, but they right. never make reference to no. it. No. I think it he's even... What should ha- what should have happened? Well, okay, never mind. We, we're not going to cut to well, the end, yeah. not yet. But we yeah. got to get through this movie. I, I don't want the recap to take as long as the movie does. <laughs> so because there's not that much to say, well, we gotta, even though we're making it sound like it is. <laughs> so the missile gets launched, and then immediately as it's about to hit the White House, then Captain America starts kicking it so that it will right. go up. And a little kid it takes comes a out. While. A little kid comes out. He's taking pictures of this missile coming at him, and right as it's about to hit the damn right. kid, it goes upwards and flies this, away. This little kid from. Columbia 
Columbus, Ohio, which we find out in like the next scene, who's sleeping in the White House. Like, I don't yeah, know it's weird, that whole, why like, yeah. he's there, where he is. Maybe they were staying in a hotel across the street. They're staying at the Watergate. <laughs> still, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. But he comes out and he's taking pictures and yeah, he takes a picture of Captain America. Yeah, the and missile, Captain Mis- the missile flies off to Alaska, quote somewhere in, in Alaska, Alaska. <laughs> crashes. He freezes. He's covered in baking soda. He freezes. <laughs> right, <laughs> talcum powder. Talcum powder. And uh, and then that's it. And then we get uh, a bunch of spinning newspapers to tell us that time <laughs> with, is progressing. It's the greatest thing ever because it's like it's like but like 1950s are playing rock around <laughs> right. the clock, and then like All the right. 60s they're playing like white. It's like the worst version of the intro to Watchmen. It's like if Watchmen was made in 1990 on for no money, that's what that intro would look like. <laughs> and they're like, like they got these sound clips in the background of like, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. <laughs> right, all this public domain yeah. crap. Suck it to me. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm doing a montage of important historical events, I'm referencing the time Nixon was on laughing. I don't I mean that in all seriousness. That is one of the most my favorite things of all time. See? Obscure references, guys. You got to keep up with us. And then, like, they're playing the 80s and they're playing, like, video kill the radio. It's like, like, literally on the newspapers, it's saying, like, stuff like MTV invented. Now, to that scene's credit, I actually did like that this was an interesting, if goofy as hell, way of showing. That time is passing and using kind of those key milestones that we can all sort of keep track of while also what it would do is you would see the headline would be man walks on the moon. But then it would zoom in on like the two boys, the one who grows up to be Ronnie Cox and the other one who grows up (laughs) to be Ned Beatty. Yeah. Not Otis from Superman, just Ned Beatty in a totally unrelated. Two time Pulitzer Prize winner Ned Beatty. Making the jump from DC to Marvel. Yeah. Um, and two-time Pulitzer winner <laughs> who has who shares a desk with like God knows the obituary writer, <laughs> right, right. How many F's in knife wound? <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, Ronnie. They show the the kid who took the picture grows up to be president of the United States. That's right. the thing. He goes into politics, becomes president. Who doesn't wear a tie? Wears jeans and a sport coat. It was 1990. It was. That's how we knew. That's it's true, and. uh you know, he's still obsessed with this idea of who they that one yeah. Oval Office set. And then oh, we so don't great. see anything else in the White House. Yeah, and there's and you know, they they fast forward to the future, you know, you you see President Ronnie Cox with General Darren McGavin. It's great. Some yeah. of the some of the cameos in this movie are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Bill Mummy's in it. You know, I, I mm-hmm. mentioned to Kevin Kevin's like, who's that? And I'm like, it's the little kid from Lost in Space. He's also a member of Barnes and Barnes, the guys who wrote Fish Heads. God, what a weird what a weird <laughs> movie this is. <laughs> And so the other member of uh, Barnes and Barnes was J.D. Salinger. <laughs> I'll be up. J.D. Salinger wrote fish. Heads. Co-wrote fish. Heads. No, that's not true. That would explain a lot of the symbolism. Um, <laughs> coming of age symbolism. Uh, so, I mean, to, to fast forward, to, to kind of speed it up, the Red Skull's still alive in Italy. Mm-hmm. And apparently Ronnie Cox, President Cox, is trying to push through this environmental initiative, which uh-huh. is going to ruin all of the Italian... Oil, hair, suppo- hair oil supply. Yeah, it's just their weird coalition and yeah. their money's all in, I guess, destroying the environment. environment. Yeah. And so 
the 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 general Darren McGavin says yeah. we need to just kill him, and Red Skull says that no. doesn't work out so well for us because every time we kill them, they become <laughs> we martyrs to the right. Problem. We kill the Kennedys. You know, they assassinated Martin Luther King. Like he, all of the key deaths of the '60s were tied to the Red Skull, apparently. Yeah. Um, Actually, the song uh, "Sympathy for the Devil" written about the Red Skull. <laughs> <laughs> You're so vain. Yeah. Also, it turns out, is about the Red Skull. Actually, the original writer was like, I can see your veins. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> you could see him on his face. It was... <laughs> um, so, yeah, so meanwhile, a bunch of West Germans stationed in Alaska for some odd reason find Captain America frozen in ice. Yeah. And he they breaks him out. Yeah, he, he breaks out. He's like, Rawr! he like comes out like guar out, yeah. of, the, out of the Arctic. And uh, oh my god, he runs on foot through all of Canada. Wait, hold on. So the president of the United States finds out about this, right? And doesn't tell anybody except his friend. He calls Ned Beatty at work, (laughs) picks up the phone. He's probably sitting there. I'm surprised this wasn't in it. Where he's sitting there trying to get an outside line, and he's just like, "Gladys, how do I?" How do I call? It's nine, then star. Why is it not star nine? Star nine would make so much more sense. I, I don't, I don't know. I that's you know who put this phone in here? Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah. See, there you go. Yeah. So he called. He doesn't call up the military. That's or, why it's all the desk is so low. Or scientists or anything like that. No. He, no. Calls he calls Ned, Ned Beatty, Beatty and says, get in your Dodge pickup truck. No, it's a Volkswagen. Oh, get in your Volkswagen pickup truck. truck. Drive to Canada. I don't know where he even is, but he drives to Canada, British Columbia, or whatever. Well, it's, it's the he's in D.C. and he has to drive all the way to British Columbia. Yeah, which is on the opposite side of the nation. And he gets up there, and he's okay. Yeah, I'm so, gonna find him, and he's running through Canada. He's driving, and he gets there just as because the president finds out, and also Red, Red Skull, Skull finds, finds out about yeah. Captain America, and he says, "Oh, he's back." Yeah. I don't know how, but I'm, he's back. I'm going to send my Versace model he's, daughter after <laughs> he him. He sends his Italian model daughter, who I guess is also an assassin. It's very unclear as to what her pedigree is the, here. One of the greatest things about this movie is the daughter's henchmen are all Versace models. Yeah. They're all like Gucci runway models dressed right. to the nines in Italian. Like, state of... Actually, the Italians do not dress casually. <laughs> no. That is their active wear. <laughs> that was their active wear. So they're flying helicopters looking for Captain America. They find him, land the helicopters, and get dirt bikes out of there <laughs> to chase Captain America through the woods of British Columbia. As Ned Beatty is driving, is fumbling, like being Ned Beatty, <laughs> right. fumbling, like he's not even looking at a map. He's looking at a newspaper with a yeah. picture of Captain America, hoping that like he can match the picture to like some random person running out of the woods. <laughs> and it just so happens that the dirt bikes chase Captain America onto the road right as Ned Beatty is driving by. <laughs> right. Of course, because British Columbia is not that big. No, it's, it's about the size of New Jersey. I mean, it's tiny. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. I know people get lost in the Pine Barrens, for Christ's sakes. So, <laughs> he manages to escape. As the Versace models are, like, shooting at him with, like, little Berettas, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, sure. Yeah. They're little Italian, like, pocket guns. And then, like, as, as so as, as Ned Beatty drives away in, the, in, the, in his Volkswagen, they're like, ah, he got away. <laughs> we can't possibly catch up with him. Oh, wait, we have helicopters. Such is life. You know? <laughs> And, and of course, this is the scene where Captain America gets updated that, like, no, it's, you know, 1989. Right, he tries to explain it to him, but it's sort of a clever. He looks and he sees that the recorder 
that he's record he's playing the rec- you know he's playing this thing and it's recording he's trying to get information about the red skull yeah um, and it says made in Japan. Yeah. An Axis power. That's true. And then he I looks over and he sees that the Volkswagen is made in West Germany. Made in West Germany. I don't yeah. know why everything was West Germany. This is 1990. Yeah, the wall, the wall is gone. Yeah. But I mean, the, the, it's an old truck. It's an old truck. It's an old truck, so I get it. But West Germany comes up a lot for this being. Well, that was a West German research station up there. You know, I, we, we, to be fair, this movie was made several years before it was released. And uh, no, I don't think it was. I think it was actually produced in '88, which was before the wall fell. Oh, okay. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe they had just had all of that, and then yeah, maybe the wall came down, and then it was like, well, it's too late to the change wall, it now. The walls come tumbling down, Kevin. The walls come <laughs> tumbling down. You just reference the style council. Okay. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> so the. Uh, yeah, so he's like, he pulls this thing where he's like, oh, I'm going to be sick. You got to pull over. And he gets out of the car pretending to be sick. And then Beatty's like, are you okay? And he runs to the car and jumps in and drives away with it. Oh, my God. So he he drives all the way down to California to go to go see his, was it Bernice? It's not, it's not Peggy. It's Bernice. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So he goes to see Bernice, and she's all old and married to Zap Rousdower. From- <laughs> it's not Zap Rousdower. It looks just not like literally, Zap- but I'll give it to you. It looks just. He like- comes on a. He gets there on a Molson ice truck. <laughs> yeah, Molson. While this great, it's like- so prominent. You'd think that that would help pay for for some of this movie, and, and maybe it did. Some what- of the product placement and this great, like Steve Miller esque song playing, where it's like. Captain America, yeah, going down. Bob Seger, yeah, Bob, no, it's is, not so much Steve Miller. Oh, it's yeah, Bob, Bob Seger. Seger, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's this, it's this insanely stupid montage of him like sleeping in this back of this Molson truck. Yeah, he's trying know. to get there, and he sees he meets up with punks. Yeah, oh, and he, he sees like a woman in a thong bikini, yeah. and he's just like, <gasps> my eyes, what's going on? So he thinks, hey, he lady, thought, I can see your gams. He thought that Ned Beatty was uh, probably That's a spy. Fine. Yeah, and that would obviously, you know, make sense. He, you know, seeing the Japan and the West Germany, that would obviously. Uh, the logical conclusion for him to come to because he doesn't know it's yeah. fifty years later. He doesn't know all the best stuffs made in Japan, <laughs> right? That, that <laughs> wouldn't that didn't make any sense uh, to him. So you know, I don't think even in the nineteen eighties that I ever had anything that had made in Japan that big on the label, <laughs> <laughs> like very prominent. Yeah, no, it was a little gold oval little sticker that yeah. said "Made in China" on the yeah. back. Well, that's nowadays. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he eventually he meets up with Bernice, and you know she's married and has a daughter named yeah. Sharon. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I Boxy think daughter. I think they're played by the I think it's the the woman who plays Sharon and Bernice are the same person. It's just they when she's playing Bernice, she's in old age makeup. Kind of clever actually when you think about it. I yeah really I, yeah. How did I miss that? I, are you making that up? I don't think so. Did I literally miss that. I I'm I'm almost positive on that. Yeah, Bernice and Sharon played by the same person, Kim Gilligan. I can't believe I missed that. I, That's I, amazing. Yeah. And uh, also, I want to point out that the fact that both the mom and dad from A Christmas Story are in this movie. I, I mentioned that earlier. Barbara- <laughs> and Ronnie Cox and Ned Beatty were both, both in Deliverance in- together. Yeah. Such a weird... This movie has so many good cameos in it. I would say that A Christmas Story is the Christmas movie version of Deliverance. I would say, <laughs> I would say that's accurate. No. Oh, <laughs> I would not fudge. Say um, <laughs> shoot your eye out, Burt Reynolds. Squeal um, like a pig. <laughs> Randy, squeal like a pig. I can't put my arms down. (laughs) 
So he goes there, and of Ugh. course he gets updated and everything. Like what you do whenever you have someone who's a man out of time, you show them clips of the Kennedy assassination <laughs> right. and like Martin Luther King Jr.'s march. You know, right? Which what did they just have? Like <laughs> they had tape up. Yeah, they, they had put the tape, tape in. in. It was like the 20th, 20th century's greatest hits. It's and like, <laughs> like, like if you went to my house in the 1980s or late 80s, and my dad would be like, here's this copy of Cheers from last Thursday. <laughs> Followed by the 1988 Macy's Day Parade <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> so um, he's at Sharon's watching all this stuff. And meanwhile, the Italian, uh, the Italian hit squad goes to her mom's house and shoots right yeah when so they bugged ned Beatty's office yeah. or his phone and, and i have absolutely no idea how or when they did that or knew to do that and that's what because he found out where the girlfriend lived and she right. had a move since 1937 and so they're so she's my grandmother so apparently. she's in italy and she's listening to this and they're like he's in california let's go and there's this great cut shot of them just sitting on the plane just like as the plane's going out and they're just like looking at you know vogue. italian vogue magazine <laughs> flipping through it it's like why is that shot there like they had to shoot that looking they got a plane got the whole cast to sit there on the plane and be like as proof that they were on the plane this movie proves that everything they said in zoolander is absolutely true yeah uh, models make the best assassins yeah that's true um so they true they get there and they kill Bernice and Zap. No, Zap Rousdower survives. Right, he just gets shot. They try to get her to say where Captain America is, but and they they kill. He's at their daughter's house yeah. watching <laughs> watching old weird VHS footage of tragic events. <laughs> and that baby's killed as well. Um, it's a good thing he wasn't brought back after. 2001. <laughs> That's the problem. It's true. And then he's watching all that, just like Ugh. oh god. This is depressing. Why so, did we arm the Soviets? <laughs> what do we arm the Why did we arm, arm the, the Afghanis, Afghanis against the Soviets? What That's saying. what you meant. Um, so they they go to this. Uh, Captain America finds out about this, and he's like, "Oh no, we got to go back and find the diary of this of the woman who created me, who they conveniently just left in a desk at the secret hideout." Like, yeah, they the turned US government, the diner into. Well, the diner was still, but now it was like a kitschy retro diner, yeah. which again, it's at Debevix. Oddly clever. Um, I liked that, where it's like, instead of it being literally just like an up... Because instead of them updating it or tearing it down and turning it into something else, they like... Kept it the same, but also made it like a kitschy version of that. Uh, this you know? movie has so much pastel in it. It's insane. Well. It's just the late 80s. I understand true. that. Yeah. It looked like it looked like Chandler Bing's closet exploded and vomited <laughs> over everything. <laughs> Nice. Um, yeah, so they go down, they find a diary, and they find out that the Red Skull is from this little town in Italy. Mm-hmm. So now this movie that's about called Captain America, for the last half of the movie, takes place in all of Italy. Yeah. Oh, and meanwhile, while they're in the hospital, uh, they find out that the president has been kidnapped. Yes, that's by, their plan. By <laughs> Italians. <laughs> Are you a bad enough dude to rescue the president? <laughs> While they were watching Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> they were watching special news update. And he's like freaking out. And, I, and like, we're like, why is he freaking? Oh, it's because there's a woman newscaster. He doesn't understand <laughs> Probably. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he goes and. Oh, fl- man. So they go and fly to Italy. He doesn't have a passport. Yeah. You- somehow they just cut to Italy. We get to, we have to see the, the Italian models all on the airplane. Yeah. But we literally cut 
from the hospital room to just they're in a tiny Italian car in Rome. <laughs> yeah. It's like it, it turns into Roman holiday is what it is. <laughs> I'm Captain America. <laughs> oh, no, I'm in the water. I'm going to go get the red skull. My son is the Antichrist. <laughs> I'm doing it all for you, Steve. <laughs> um, so it's all for you, Captain America. <laughs> the goldfish on the floor flapping. <laughs> um, the <laughs> that's it's so mind-boggling. This the whole rest of this movie takes place in Italy. Ronnie Cox as the president has been kidnapped. Now I want you to think about that for a second as an American audience. The president got kidnapped. What happened to everyone else who was around him at the time? Was he just like in Italy, just like? Like, he's at a little, like, corner store buying a little sandwich We or something. never see Secret Service of any kind. <laughs> no. We never see anything. <laughs> the, the president couldn't go to just, like, Kroger's and get a gallon of milk without them having to cordon off the street and put snipers on the roof. Exactly. You that's know, why he doesn't go the, buy his own milk, I well, assume. And that's the funny thing Maybe is, he like, he calls up Ned Beatty to go find Captain America, and it's like the equivalent, and I said, it's the equivalent of Kevin being the President of the United States and calling me up and being like, <laughs> Joe, Joe, um, so you gotta go get Captain America. <laughs> Kevin, you're President. <laughs> you remember, remember that time that we were kids and I told you about the, the guy, the Captain America guy? Uh, I think you gotta drive your truck. To you got to drive your Prius to, <laughs> to British Columbia. <laughs> I'm just like, why can't I fly? No, no, no. You have to drive. <laughs> you have to drive. I'm the Can president. I just fly and like? No, I'm the president. Can't you fly me? And- <laughs> no, no, no. No one can know about this. <laughs> You're the pr- trust the- me, J- Joe. I'm the president. You have to do this, Joe. 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 I'm wearing jeans. <laughs> and a sport coat. I'm the president. I'm wearing jeans. Okay, Hank Scorpio. I don't have a tie. <laughs> so, I was the first president to do that. <laughs> now they all do it. Here, can you hang my jacket up on the wall? <laughs> um, God. So, yeah, the the, fina- the final whole thing of this movie is the president <laughs> pulls out. He's in his weird cell. cell. In Fort Lorenzo. The in same, Fort Lorenzo yeah, again, uh, which is just this weird location. I really want to know where that place was. Yeah. Um, and he has this little weird vial of acid that he's for some reason has, and he's tr- maybe I don't know. Maybe that was I got up to go do something, and I missed when they were like, "Here, Mister President, in case you ever get kidnapped by Italians, in case you ever get kidnapped by Italians, here's a vial of acid to help you melt through the bars." And so he does that, yeah. And he gets out. They don't leave him guarded. No, unguarded President Cox. <laughs> He kicks the gate open, and he kind of hides behind a door, sort of. Yeah. And then he runs away, and then they're chasing him while Captain America is climbing up the side, just like, I'm coming to save you, the president. Not to mention the entire slow motion chase scene of the Italian models in the Yakuza chasing Captain America in the little oh, yeah. tiny car. They the have a Fiat. really interesting little little Italian sort of chase scene. Yeah, it was, it was like something out of La Strada. It was just like, not La Strada. Um, I was going to say, La Strada doesn't have any chase scenes no, no. in it. But it's like it's like one of those like weird like Italian like new wave cinema things where it's like yeah. they're driving, they're chasing, but they're still smoking cigarettes as yeah. they're driving. Breathless. Let's say Breath- breathless. Okay, breathless. That's there a great one, yeah. But it's, yeah, like, as jazz music's playing, yeah. you know, the slow motion car chase scene. 
Because he tries to do the thing with Sharon where he he tries to pretend like he's sick and then he gets back in the car. Yeah, and it works. And, and it then was, she just shows, shows up. Because apparently yeah. he didn't have to drive that far. Yeah, because he meets I don't up, know how they ran so fast on Cobblestone. Because <laughs> they meet up with the cast of Italian Spider-Man to find out about the Red Skulls. I they, twisted both of my ankles walking <laughs> on Cobblestone. Because... <laughs> Because the the house that where the Red Skull got abducted from, they were recording him playing the piano, and then the house got blown up, but the recorder still managed to be there, and this greasy Italian couple, like the greasiest Italian oh, yeah, just no shirt sleeves, <laughs> just like... Yeah, it's it's like really racist if it wasn't true. Um, <laughs> offering them like biscotti and cigarettes, basically. Oh man, now you're speaking my language, Kevin. Yeah, that's true. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> biscotti and cigarettes. Um, they give it also to known them. as breakfast. <laughs> in Italy, you know what I need from breakfast? More salted meats. That's <laughs> true. Um, when I was in Italy, that was breakfast every day: salted meats and hard-boiled eggs. Nice. Um, they give him the recording, and he's able to like they're able to get the recording, so they put on a little, that little Casio recorder that they have. Mm. It's important later on. Yes. So uh, yeah, cut back to this Fort Lorenzo. Captain America's in full Captain America outfit, climbing the side of this thing. Yeah. Ronnie Cox is like you because they're gonna basically put a mind control device on Ronnie they're Cox. They're going to inject him with this thing, right, and they'll be able to mind control him as opposed to kill him, and then that way he'll do whatever they say, yeah. and, and Red Skull will effectively be the president of the United States. <laughs> oh, man, anything would be better than Obama, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Red Skull. <laughs> Don't so, blame me, I voted for Red Skull. <laughs> so, does Red Skull not know that he has term limits? Like, is, like, is he like what term is he in? Is he like in his first term? Yeah, he, he got elected. He's, he's gonna have to he run again. He got elected that day, and then he walked into the old <laughs> office and he called Ned Beatty, who got shot going to. He led first of all. He leads the model assassins. Yeah. To, uh, you know, Lorraine. Yeah. To Lorraine. <laughs> to Lorraine. Who's married to Biff now? Right. Exactly. Leads them to Lorraine, <laughs> and gets shot in the back. He's yeah. like, he's like, I'm your friend. We're on the same side. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, Otis, though. <laughs> but so Ronnie Cox. killed Otis. Back to Ronnie Cox. He's like, well, this isn't going to work if I'm alive. So he jumps off the castle of Captain America, catches him, yeah. and throws him into a window. Because right. as we all know, you can't enter through a door. It's got to be through no. a window. Everything through it's windows. Like, hey, President, let's not keep you safe. Let's put you directly into the line of fire again. <laughs> I love when... <laughs> <laughs> he sends the president out first president and walks shooting. behind the president. He has a bulletproof shield and is a super soldier. Mr. President, I'm going to need you to draw fire. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, that's why I got elected. Nothing we're saying in this movie is it, everything has happened in this oh, movie. Yeah. It's so bizarre. And it's like everyone's wearing the red skull shows up. and He's got this like. He, his face has been reconstructed, so it doesn't look like a skull anymore. It just looks like a normal yeah. face, and he's got, like, this slicked-back Italian hair, and it's yeah. like everyone is dressed in these immaculate, granted, 1990s or late 80s fashion, but it's just like everyone is just on point with their fashion in this movie. I feel that's Globus. That's probably Globus's, like, reach. Like, he's like, no, everyone has to look really good in this movie. Yeah. Um so Red Skull has realized that he has lost at this point, and he's going to detonate a nuclear bomb underneath Fort Lorenzo. It's going to make the entire the entire Mediterranean uninhabitable for 150 years, give or take a few decades. Yeah, I guess. Um. So Captain America. So, but Captain America is able to distract him with the music from mm -hmm. the player the recording. It's yeah. like, oh, this was this traumatic event from your childhood. Remember? And he's like, Mama. 
Papa. <laughs> that's like that. That was all that was missing from that scene was the yeah. red skull, like going. He didn't do any of that. He just kind of stood there. It was <laughs> like there was no, there was zero emotional impact. Like if a tear rolled down his eye and he's just like, "Mama," and then the Captain America throws his shield and knocks his, his knocks him off. Yeah, <laughs> and he falls. It's off. not like he knocks the thing out of his hand or anything, or knocks his fake arm off, which is what I was thinking would have been the thing to do. Well, so that's what I was gonna say. Was no, wouldn't knock his arm off, but like. It would knock him off, but then Cap could have been closer. He would have punched him off, and then he would have grabbed, grabbed his, his arm, arm, and the arm. But it was have... the fake arm, and then that fell off. And it was oh. like, oh, that was his undoing. Oh, That's he was still... hoisted by his own petard. <laughs> <laughs> That's still super clumsy and terrible uh, yeah, and not very cause... good writing. But it would have made a little bit more <laughs> sense and would have connected to the first act and a little then, bit. And then... The Italian, the, his da- Red Skull's daughter, the Italian model assassin, picks up the gun to shoot him, and the shield comes back around. Right. Oh, yes. Because and he says, heads up. Heads up. And it hits her. Ca- we don't see what happens to her, but we assume decapitation. <laughs> yeah, we because assume- that thing lodges into brick at some point. So <laughs> Many the, times throughout this movie, The it edge of it is very confusing, how it can hit you and just maybe knock you over, or it can lodge into brick. So yeah. I have to assume that, like... Like, when he caught it, we just assumed there would just be, like, blood and hair attached to it. Just, so, yeah, just really traumatic. Just full of, like, gristle. <laughs> and, 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 like, just, like, like bits of skull. Now, is the new in the MCU... Captain America's shield is not a boomerang. They do not have boomerang technology in it, right? Or no. does it sort of come back to well, him in some way? the... Okay, so... So you have, like, magnetic gloves and yeah, it comes back? The, the And uh, if you remember Winter Soldier, he has, like, a magnetic device on his arm that when he flips the shield up, it'll attach right back to his right. arm. It doesn't really... In, in the comics, it does work kind of like a boomerang sometimes. Okay. But most of the time, like, what he does in the MCU is he throws it and it just ricochets off things and it'll come back to him and it'll attach back to his arm. Okay. Because he's really good at bank shots in the MCU. <laughs> <laughs> right. But we yes. have to get to the very end of the movie because after everyone is saved, including Sharon, who was kidnapped and is able to now escape and fight the Italian assassin, then all of a sudden these, like, Marines or something come in. They're all dressed in black with, like, black berets. No U.S. Army I've ever seen dresses like that. No. I don't. Yeah. No, it was the Mossad. I it was, yeah, I said it was Mossad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that would make sense. It's Eric Bana leading the troops in in uh, in uh, uh, Munich. Munich, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the uh, so that it, it a shot of Captain America's face that it lingers on. Well, for, it freeze like, frames on his face, and then he starts it telling you it doesn't freeze frame. It lingers on it, and it's really uncomfortable because he's like I just staring. It was a freeze frame. No, because he, he, oh. there's it's like he's, is he blinking? It's like five or ten seconds where you're just like that's really uncomfortable. He's like <laughs> what? That's like like. He's looking into my, my soul. soul. And then it, then it like fades to this cartoon version of Captain America where then it says... Who, who begins explaining to you why you should support the Environmental Protection, Protection Act, Act of, of 1990. 1990. It's very like at the end of, of cartoons. Yeah. Where it's just like, hey kids. And now you know. And knowing is half the battle. <laughs> Captain America. <laughs> Pen of my aunt. The pen of my aunt is on the table. Ah, am I saying right, American? I want good English to speak. When I am getting to New York. Ah. All right. So, um, the production notes, as much as you could say that this movie was produced, uh, 
Um, so the, the the rights were were bought in 1984 by uh, by the Canon Group uh, by Golan and Globus, um, and it was in the movie was originally going to be directed by Michael Winner. I'm not quite sure what else he's done. I think he was probably part of the Canon Group at that time. One of those guys who were cranking out pictures at the time. He was. He was actually also a. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was a restaurant critic. <laughs> uh, I believe for the New York Times, um, but he uh, he did Death Wish. Mm. I don't know if he directed the original Death Wish. Okay, or... so he was part of that canon group. Then. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Because um, they were no, they they basically just had a a farm of a stable of right. directors and writers that they would just work 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 work. As soon as they would finish production on one movie, they'd start a production on another movie. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They were they were like. Seriously, like in watching the documentary about that corporation, it's just it's amazing what they managed to accomplish, and like and and to show such f- so few like rewards from it, like all the money that they yeah. would make would go directly funneled back into their movie production. Yeah. It's not like they were doing this and then like living the high life. They were no, they wanted to just keep making movies. They loved making movies. So in 1987 was the original um, John Stockwell came on as uh, write the script and uh, came on board as a director with uh, the script by Stephen Tolkien. Uh, Golan left Canon in 1989. Part of the severance package, he got control of 21st Century Corporation, which had the and allowed to bring in the rights for Captain America as well. Um, Principal photography began in 1989 and was completed in 1990. So it was like really tumultuous. So the script was probably written before the wall fell, but the production came in after the wall fell. Yeah. And I think right around that time that Germany, that the Germanys would have gotten reunited, which was about 1990. But they still must, right. I was going to say they still must have had a lot of, they were like, well, they're still East and West Germany. So let's just <clears throat> go with that because that would mean more to Steve Rogers. Maybe and well, here's the thing. At least in terms of geopolitics, the <laughs> um, no one was really sure what was going to happen with East and West Germany. No one was really sure that they were going to get back together as Germany at the time. So right. it probably would have been a safe bet to keep West Germany as as a thing in East Germany. However, it probably would have been cooler in terms of Steve Rogers seeing that it was like a German truck, you know, made in yeah. Germany mm-hmm. as opposed to made in West Germany. He would have been like Germany. And Volkswagen was. I mean, he would have even recognized that possibly. I mean, he would have known something about Volkswagen. That, this that is was... a Hitler car. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Give me a smoke. I will say that uh, when I was in high school and even into college, one of my favorite hoodies was a black <laughs> hoodie with like the white sort of thermal, you know, lining. Yeah. Um, and if you looked at the tag, it was made in West Germany. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, I had a weird. Uh, Weird Nazi hoodie. I don't know. You you also really loved... Maybe it was East Germany. I think it maybe it was East Germany. You also really... Probably wasn't West. They probably weren't exporting textiles and clothing at that point. You also really liked Falco and David Hasselhoff, so... That's true. (laughs) Uh, I was probably listening to a lot of Kraftwerk at that time. Kraftwerk. I will say that. I am a sex machine. I still listen to Kraftwerk. (laughs) Um... I'm the operator with my pocket calculator. <laughs> Beep, boop. So this movie on Rotten Boing. Tomatoes has a very, very underrated 9%. 9%. Okay, so this is out of 11 critics, and most of them were written far after the movie had been released. Right. Yeah, you got to be careful with some of the older movies. Um, they were probably, I don't know why they would even be writing it. Maybe the the review of the Blu-ray coming out, like... It could I don't be. know. Rotten Tomatoes is a little weird when you talk about movies made before Rotten Tomatoes' existence. So I don't know when that was, but probably, what, 05, maybe? I, I don't even know. Maybe yeah, earlier than that. that. But 
Anything earlier is, I'm skeptical of those reviews. So uh, the most interesting thing I found out when I was reading through the production notes is everyone who was involved in this picture is dead. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) The curse of Captain America. No, everyone loved the script. They thought the script was amazing. They, um, everyone, like, had really high expectations. Ronnie Cox said it was an amazing script. It was, a lot of, a lot of people blame actually, uh, the, the director, Pyun, they they blame him for hmm. a lot of like how shoddy the movie came out. Uh-huh. I mean, there are a lot of things that are pretty shoddy about this picture. Sure. And in retrospect, you could watch it and you're like, you can enjoy the hell out of this movie because it's stupid. We sure did. Yeah, but I mean, it's not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. For a canon no. picture of 1990, it's pretty. It's better than Quest for Peace. I'll tell you that. Well, there I just you watched go. that one recently, and I'll tell you that movie is a piece of s. The uh, uh, oh, some of the people that were up for the role of Captain America, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who I highly doubt they would have gotten this part. No, not 1990, and that would have been so thematically confusing (laughs) (laughs) with an Austrian Captain America America. fighting the Nazis in World War II. He's fighting the Italians. It's okay. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, Also, Val Kilmer was up for the role. Um, I. I could see wow. that. I mean, it's post Top Gun. Interesting, yeah. But it's pre Doors, so oh, so it might have happened. Um, oh, there's a part of me that wants that movie. It, it would have looked like Spy Hard, not Spy Hard. What's what's the one he did with the where he was a spy? It was the spoof movie. Is it Spy Hard? Loaded Gun. No, Are you talking about or no, uh, no, no? He did. He did. Uh, wasn't it Charlie Sheen that was in? Uh, that's, um, no, that's Hot Shots. You're thinking. Of. I am thinking of Hot Shots. Now this is uh, this Top Secret. Is what it's called. Top, top Secret. Secret. It was his first movie that he did. That's so, such a stupid movie. It really is. That's so, not even one that's kind of funny stupid. I, I actually watched that a couple of years ago, and I was like, this movie's just stupid. So, and what he would have done by this point is he would have done Top Secret, Real Genius, those are his two early ones, Top Gun, and then he he would have had Willow, which would have been the probably the last yeah, one. He probably would have been working on Willow. Which um, is a very underrated movie in my opinion. And Billy the Kid. I know a lot of people do not like Willow, but I absolutely love Willow. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I'd like to watch that one again. Willow has, first of all, fantastic special effects. Second of all, a fantastic James Horner uh, score. Hmm. Um, It's directed by uh, Ron Howard. Sure, and it's it's got. I remember liking it, but I haven't seen it since I was. A it's kid. pretty dark, and I, you know I think it would be, it's worth a revisit. Sure. Anyway, another person was Dolph Lundgren, but he was doing The Punisher at the time, another Marvel movie that we may cover in the future. Mm-hmm. Not actually done by the Canon Films, although it really could have been. <laughs> well, and they had worked with the uh, the Dolph in, uh, in Masters of the Universe. Masters of the Universe, he yeah. He-Man. And Correct. the other the other big production note on this is that Captain America does not have ear holes in this movie. His mask, when he's wearing the Captain America mask, has fake plastic ears on it because the real ear, his real ears, would chafe on the on whatever latex they were using for his mask. That's so funny. they created fake plastic ears that they painted to look like his ears. And there are certain scenes in this movie where it looks so terribly bad you can't fake help but feel plastic. that way. Plastic ears. All right, so that was the Radiohead song written about this movie. <laughs> fake, plastic. fake plastic ears. So this movie is incredibly, incredibly silly. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's much more you could say about this movie, aside from... Now, you made a comment really early on when we were watching this movie. <laughs> like, tw- So, first of all, I paused it to show that we were less than 20 minutes into the movie, and he was... Steve Rogers was Captain America 
in Captain America costume. Yes. Going off to fight Nazis. evil Italians, yeah. I guess. Um, which is sort of your, I mean, that's your central complaint. And, yeah. and I think most people's central complaint <laughs> yeah. about like origin stories is it's like, you know, it's the when are they going to when are they going to get to the, the fireworks factory like moment of just like why is he not Captain America yet when the movie's called Captain America? Why is a third of the movie or two thirds of the movie have to be yeah. somebody why trying does to become Captain America? Begin? Now there's that, and I'll say another thing. Like you had said, like this is what I when he jumps out and just punch. It's just <laughs> chaos. You're like this is what I want from a Captain America movie, and. I'm, I think there's something to that because I feel like this movie gets the sort of it strikes a really interesting chord of like it's very silly. It does not take itself very seriously whatsoever, but it's also very rooted in, I don't know, some version of the real world. Yeah, it's not that it's realistic because we pointed out and there's a lot we didn't even point out, but there's so much just like. Bizarre leaps of logic that have to happen for any of this plot to make sense. But for a comic book, it's not that weird. No, and I think, like, I thought it was really weird, too, that they started off with the origin of the Red Skull as, like, right. the opening of the movie. Yeah. And it really is, like, you're like, how you want to start off every children's movie with fascist Italians jumping through windows, gunning down a family. He, right, exactly. Yeah. It's just, tonally, it's just a mess. Um, and there's, there is something fun to be said about the fact that he is, he runs in Beast Captain. I think it's, and I always, I'll go back to the fact that this is, uh, I'll, I'll keep calling it a canon movie because it's essentially a canon movie, mm-hmm. is that these guys uh, were old school Hollywood producers. They wouldn't want to put up with an entire movie where he doesn't show up as Captain America until the very end. Right. They, they, they're the type of people who go like, how come he's not Captain America right now? Right. Well, like nowadays people would be like, well, we can't have him be Captain America. He's going, we got to see his struggle to become Captain America and all of his motivation yes. and behind it's it. It's more of, right, this anti-hero thing. And that's a very sort of modern aesthetic where, yeah, 1990 and in the late 80s, they were just like, let's, let's go. get to, yeah. yeah, let's let's put a gun in his hand and let's let him go out there and start shooting the bad guys. <laughs> However, to be fair, after like the first 20 minutes, he's then not in the Captain America outfit for like a good two thirds of the movie. Yeah, he's wearing uncomfortable looking like sweaters with weird khakis. buttons and he's stuff wearing... and pleated khakis and <laughs> loafers. loafers and white <laughs> socks. It's just very... <laughs> He's he's in the Captain America costume in the very sort of beginning after becoming Captain America, and then at the end he did, he has like a duffel bag with the shield in it. And yeah. I didn't even catch where he found that. I was just like, nah, eh, fine. He is the duffel bag. Yeah, I don't a, care. He's got a duffel bag with the shield in it, and and it's the, and his costume that's still yeah crap you know it's still just like filthy and it's got like the bullet holes in it because it's not like i mean he had time to take it to a tailor although he's in italy there's tailors everywhere i take care of it for you and i get it done in three days three Three days days. three days time you go enjoy museums go have you have some some really strong coffee drink some good wine (laughs) make love to your woman make love to your woman yeah i have it fixed for you oh i love it i would love that I would genuinely love a Captain America movie, like a like one of like you want Roman Holiday is what you want. Well, let's. I mean, come on, 
Roman Holiday is going to be better than... I yeah. liked First Avenger and Winter Soldier, and Roman Holiday is way better than either of those. <laughs> Apples and oranges. But I would love a Captain America movie that did this, right? And took its time a little bit and was just like... And explored that whole idea of him, like, on foreign soil. And, like, what does that even mean? Like, I guess Winter Soldier tries to do that a little bit, but it's so... Winter Soldier is so focused on, like, the government and punching and surveillance that it's just, like, if you could just... Like, I would love a little mini-adventure, which is him just, like, going and doing a Captain America thing. Like, I think Uh that's the thing that we're missing... With these two a year sort of yeah. tentpole movies, La, you want La Dolce Captain America. That's what you want. <laughs> <laughs> you want you want you want Captain America going back to Axis soil. And Fellini's kind of, <laughs> Captain America. Yeah. yeah, you want him going there and like uh, smoking cigarettes, <laughs> just beautiful, like beautiful cigarettes. Walking down the streets of Berlin, going, "I was here. I was walking alongside a tank." <laughs> You know, like that's what you want. You want him coming. He's in to- Vienna trying to find Harry Lime. <laughs> Sorry, I felt it had been a while since we made a too obscure of a reference. Although you just referenced La Dolce Vita, so I don't know. <laughs> Our listeners stopped listening. You forty five minutes you ago. Have, you have Captain America running through the sewers of Vienna. <laughs> right. <laughs> the he's still alive. He's he's watering down the medicine. <laughs> he's watering. Oh God! I love that movie. I do too. Third Man. Uh, that's oh. a, that's another that's another top three we could have done is top three like post war movies like Cold War movies. I I think we've we'll have some opportunities to do Cold oh, yeah, War prob- movies. Probably. I think we will. Um. So then, yeah, and it's like I I do like that's the funny thing is is like Captain America. The, the the one the biggest problem the biggest biggest problem with this movie is the timeline because he's only Captain America for five days and then he gets frozen and then he's unfrozen and thrown into this plot so he's literally been Captain America for maybe a total of two weeks time yeah you know a, a fortnight as I like to say <laughs> right yeah and so- he's expected to kind of like do all of this stuff and he doesn't really have. Why is he so committed to it? Exactly. That's the problem. Yeah. Like, there's there's none of that. And, but, you know, that's... And the, you know, Kaplan, like, in First Avenger, he does a... They do a good job of, like... he He's not built to be Captain America. He's built to be the super soldier, and then the guy dies. It's very similar to this, where yeah. the guy... In this, Heil the, <laughs> the woman doctor dies... And she, and then they're like, well, we can't make any more of you because she didn't write anything down. Although she did write something down and that's literally central to the plot. So, (laughs) huh? But anyway, she didn't write that down, apparently. Yeah, she didn't write how to throw sparks. Right. So then they're like, okay, well, we can't make any more of you. So you're on your own. You're you're the only one of you we were ever going to make. I think that process that she used to make the super soldier serum is the same thing they used to get the werewolves to show up in Howling 3. <laughs> There's an obscure reference nice. for you. Um, the Howling series is good. I love the Howling series. The Howling one is very good. Well, you can always get your diminishing returns with sequels. You get You've got really diminished that. Really diminishing returns. I love how, uh, werewolf Just wait till we get to Civil War and yeah. we talk about diminishing returns. Uh, people are loving it. Um, yeah, I, but there's that. He's only been Captain America for a week. We have. He has no in real investment in this. 
the only thing he wants to do is like beat the Red Skull because that was like his last mission. But that's not even explained. Like he would just say that like the last thing, my, my last mission was to destroy the Red Skull. I'm gonna see it through. He's again. like, I should have killed him, and it's like, well, but he's met him once, like, yeah, and you didn't, and that's okay. Like, the Italians are our friends now. They're part of the G8. You know, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's it's, right. There is a lot of problems. There's a lot of leaps of logic that have to happen. Yeah. And it's I would call them leaps of comic book logic, a.k.a. the name of this podcast of uh, like where it's the name of the podcast of how we get to this. I mean, and we, we haven't even gotten to the fact of like how terrible of a president Ronnie Cox is. Like, his whole thing is he has this environmental initiative, but yet he doesn't talk to anybody about it. Or, no. or like, you if you didn't catch, like, the one part where he's These talking. are the Bush senior years. Yeah. Also, which yeah. is what's weird. Yeah. Right? Because he I was mean, elected. I don't know. He was elected in 1990, which is, Which is like not an election, election year. year. No. He would have been elected in 88. Yeah. I don't understand how that worked, but okay. So, uh, you know, it's it's so bizarre, like... Like, where is bodyguards? Why is he wearing jeans? What's going on? <laughs> it's very confusing. Oh, God. And the, I, I have to say, like, my favorite part of this movie is how it's like just how weird and I, I can't even describe the Italian, how Italian this movie is. Yeah. How about that? Just like the fact yeah. that those, the shot of the bodyguard, uh, the assassins on the plane reading the magazines. Yeah. It's so like. It's like a two second scene, but it's very prominent for a movie that doesn't really spend a lot of time explaining how anyone gets from A to B. Because this movie takes place everywhere. We said like the only that's place it true. doesn't take place is like Mexico and Chad. They That's very true. <laughs> they had to explicitly keep showing the location with like, you know, subtitles to show you where everything was going on because we're all over the map. All literally. Oh, but it's globally like we're all over the map. And, and we were sitting there like, all right, we'll just go with it. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, all right. It sounds good. <laughs> yeah. You're 20 minutes into this movie, and we've had something like six distinct locations, Let's including Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> or Sp- I think it's Springfield, Springfield Ohio. Ohio. Yeah, Springfield. L- let me also point to the fact that Captain America ran from Alaska to British Columbia. Yeah. Alaska is bigger than almost all, like, half the continental United States. That's true. So unless he was, like, on the border, he yeah. would have had to run for a while. Yeah. Oh, this movie is so nice. And then for this movie that, for the first half of the movie, takes place all over the world, the last hour of it is in yeah. Italy. It's in Italy at the fort, and that's it. It's it's like on the and they st- run around shooting at each other in the streets of Rome, and now ah what, Venice. Uh, what do you think about Sharon? Uh, I I don't remember if they were, it's like McGillicuddy or something. It's some weird name. They her Rose, last name. I don't yeah, think they like, give her last no, name. No, it's like yeah. according to the IMDb credits, they don't give her yeah. last name. Nobody. Let's gets call it. Let's go. I think I mentioned that it's Sharon some, McGillicuddy. Sharon McGillicuddy. It's fine. She's like this this prototypical nineteen eighties like action star girlfriend where it's like she's. She's simultaneously this badass. Oh, yeah, she's out of a Madonna video. Yeah, she's simultaneously badass, but at the same time, she's completely useless. Um, driving yeah. around her little- She tries to do this whole thing, and then she gets kidnapped. Yeah. Like five seconds into it. Yeah. So it's not very the, good. By the Versace Mafia. <laughs> <laughs> Who killed her pair or her, her mother? Her, they killed her mother in Zab Rosdauer. 
They don't or, kill Zap Rouser. Well, they try a, to kill. They shoot Zap Rouser. They kill Ned Beatty, though. Yeah. Which no one avenges <laughs> Ned Beatty. You know, no one. I mean, I guess Captain America does, but he never he said he never says this is for Ned Beatty. <laughs> this is for this is for Otis. This is for Zap Rouser. <laughs> Let's be fair. You can't Rousdauer. kill. You can't kill Zap Rouser. By the way, if you don't know who Zap Rousdauer oh. is, Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Uh, the, the final sacrifice episode. It's my personal favorite episode of mst3k not my, my it's mine in the in the that top, and puma man in the top five yeah yeah puma my two man. favorites he flies like a moron <laughs> puma man puma man donald pleasance <laughs> the doctor from halloween it's true um yeah the uh it's just it's so weird and goofy look this is not a good movie no not by any stretch but that nine percent on rotten tomatoes is harsh it's unfair this movie is not and we'll get to our grades later as we usually do but this movie is i will come out and say it right now this movie is better than man of steel because 100 man of steel is doing all the things that this movie isn't. It tries to be artful. It tries to take itself seriously. It's it's super kind of dour and depressing. And this movie feels like a comic book movie. This was made... Now, it was made at the same time as uh, Tim Burton's Batman's coming out. I yeah. mean, it came out a little later, but as we were kind of talking about the timeline and the production and the script, like... They were happening kind of concurrently, and we talked about sort of the timeline of that when we talked about that movie. So yeah. they were they were not really related to each other at all. But I would almost think that these are those those are two very interesting sides of I would say a very similar yeah coin where you've got a movie that's got the bigger budget in Batman, um, bigger star power. <laughs> um, I don't know, Darren McGavin, bit darker, bit. <laughs> Uh, more serious, but not so much that it's kind of unbearable. And then you have this movie that's just like, everything is in broad daylight, blue skies, we're climbing around on buildings. beautiful Italian vistas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I would have loved more, and, and I think budget was the reason for this, oh, but yeah. I would have loved more, like, nice wide shots of, like, where we actually are, um, you were you were going out of your way to mention crane shots and a little bit of zoom in <laughs> sort of tracking they go, shots. They do a and tracking like, shot to a window, but there aren't that many, and no. it's just like they're not as tough to pull off as maybe it seems. <laughs> but that maybe that's just because like we're so used to them just CGing their way through a lot of that, and yeah. I'm just like. I don't know where, like I said, I don't know where they shot that whole final, like, that whole third act. Like, I think it was in Malta. I was looking it up. Okay, that makes sense. Because it was a very interesting Mediterranean. It was where, it was supposed to be Italy, but it clearly wasn't. I mean, no. they were clearly on an island. They were on Crete or something, <laughs> you know. Zorba the Greek is in the background. Right. I mean, we're clearly not... We're, yeah, we're clearly not on the streets of Rome yeah. here. No, the Rome is much dirtier and full of gypsies. But it was remarkable how it was. This was not a soundstage. We no. were outdoors. Yeah, no, there, shooting people, doing stunts, running around. Yeah, like this, this entire. And there movie, were a lot of cuts. I mean, these were not elaborate stunts. This was not. I mean, there were a lot of cuts of like 
as they were punching that we didn't talk about the fight scene in sort of the basement when they go to get oh, the god when the, they go to get the journal the complete darkness right they're in the dark and the guy's jumping around like he's in a jackie chan movie and we're like we can't see, see anything, anything that he's doing he's just jumping around it's they, they, the, the director the director was using the barry linden school of lighting your movie pretty much yeah it, it was remarkable they could only afford one candle though um <laughs> so weird um yeah it's it, but that's, I do agree. It's like the entire movie is shot on location, and those shots that they do, this movie feels like a a direct to video or like a, a made for TV movie that they actually really put some care into. They like, did. Like I feel the love in this movie. <laughs> I really do. I mean, it sounds funny, but like I feel the work that they put into it of like yeah. flying people out to these locations. I mean, they weren't in every location that they obviously said. Most yeah. of it was in California. Even the stuff in. Columbia or British Columbia and Ohio, you know, all that stuff was there. Yeah. They had some stock footage of the <laughs> the, the one house plus, you Casa know, this Bianco. goofy <laughs> Oval Office set that they probably borrowed from some previous Canon movie. Yeah, you know, I don't know, you know, who knows which Delta one? It's probably Force the three. same, probably the same set that they've had forever. Yeah, that they've used in twenty movies. So I mean, I appreciate that there were budget influences there, but. I don't know. I felt good about seeing this movie exist <laughs> in a real world that that's art yeah. that exists, and it's not. You it's, know, yeah. I, I know. I, I love. I love that. I mean, it's a B movie in the best possible sense of that term. word. Yeah, you know, it's like what you what you want in a. Well, I mean, I take that back. Like, what you want in a B movie is like crappy effects. And you want you want to be transported to a world. And this movie kind of does that. I mean, it's not like a traditional B movie, but yeah. it's as close as you're going to get to a a superhero B movie. It would have been interesting had it done more effects wise, because beyond the like the stop motion creepy puppet rat, yeah, like we didn't get a lot of special effects. We got a lot of like bright red blood when yeah. we needed it to show someone had been shot in the arm. Yeah. <laughs> and then, got shot in the same arm four times. <laughs> right. And then it was mostly a lot I, of just jumping around. It I wasn't I would have liked at the end one of the things I like speaking of that, I know they probably didn't have the makeup budget for it. Is that at the end, like the red skull pulled off a mask and it was like his red skull underneath there. Yeah. Instead of like, and you know, what's funny is I actually remember thinking that when I was a child watching this movie, the first time I remember thinking like, how did he get the, the makeup over the red skull <laughs> thing that he has? And I was like, when's he going to, when's he going to be the red skull again? When's he going to be the red skull? Oh, he just fell. <laughs> but it's like it's not even oh, him. Okay. It's like you could honestly you could see the dummy yeah, falling. No, off the, the dummy yeah. hitting the rocks and oh, flipping so over bad. this weird. But they made that shot right. They're in a helicopter shooting, and then they're like, "Throw the dummy now!" And then they threw it. Like again, I appreciate the work yeah. that went into this movie. I I feel. Uh, yeah. the hands on this movie you know yeah like this movie no, has weight it exists in the world <laughs> in a way that a lot of the movies that we've been talking about through this whole man of stupid Steel. podcast yeah. don't have yeah. no I, there's I, no weight All 
right. So this movie, I didn't delete my original recast. So we're, we're gonna do. Was, I'm gonna do both. Originally, we were gonna do canon uh, movies of like if this was like a traditional like, canon movie. Right. Assume that this came out when they wanted it to come out. Make your dream version of yeah. this within the constraints of sort of canon films. Yeah. But um, in watching it, we're like, we should, like, I think you suggested something like about a it felt very like a pilot to a, a goofy TV, TV show. show. And we say, so I, I let, let's do this as a 1980s sitcom. Like, yeah. what would our cast be for a 1980s sitcom for it? All right. All right. So um, you, you're bringing it up right now. So what would, who would be your Captain America? Who would be your J.D. Salinger's son? Who would be your Captain America in this movie? Cheers his own Ted, Ted Danson. That's exactly what I'm no. saying. <laughs> <laughs> Who else? Okay, that I did not expect. I expected Ted us Dan- to have overlap uh, in a couple of others, but for some reason I thought Ted, Ted Danson Dan- was oh. uniquely mine. No, no, Ted Danson, 100%. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, why uh, not? Former baseball <laughs> pro. <laughs> Sam Malone. Sam Malone undergoes the super <laughs> soldier program because he can't play ball anymore. Sam, you're not going to be able to play ball unless you go through the secret super soldier program. <laughs> Kala, I'll tell you what. If I can't throw a pitch after this, I'll go on a date with Diane. <laughs> God, I love it. I love it. I love the idea of a Ted Dance in Captain America. Oh, it's, it's, I love it so much. All right. So next up, how about your president, Ronnie Cox? Now, when I was watching the movie, before we even decided that we were going to switch gears and make it about a sitcom, I was like, you know who I really wish was president? Alan Alda. Oh, good. You didn't put the person I wanted to. I really wanted an Alan Alda president in this movie of just being like, "Uh, Captain. Doesn't Alan Alda play the president in Wag the Dog? No, not Wag the Dog. um, Canadian Bacon, I think. Oh, maybe. I think he I'm I'm almost positive. He plays the president in one of those movies. I think it's Canadian Bacon. He's he's great in those roles. I I love him in everything. It's Alan Alda. Hawkeye Hawkeye Pierce. President Hawkeye Pierce. Exactly. Well, mine, I went a little bit different. I went with um, the person who I think was most presidential in the 1980s. Uh, Bob Euchre. <laughs> oh. Straight down, 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 as a gambler. That's good. Drop cake jacket. I'm a little sad that we spent 20-some episodes, whatever this is, <laughs> never before we brought up Bob Euchre. <laughs> That's really not like us. Former, well, actually, I think he still calls games for uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, right? Does he? No, I, don't know. I would not know the answer to that you, question, but maybe. Do we have any Milwaukee listeners who our, can uh, shed some light on that? Of the two of us, you would know that better than That's I would. True. <laughs> That's true. All right. So, how about your red skull? My red skull. <laughs> you get such I don't a know kick out where of this came from, and I just am so excited about the possibility of having my red skull. He's not even Italian. I don't know what <laughs> I was going for. We did this very quickly. I went with John Larroquette. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. But that was the thing is I, I realized that I was in danger of turning this all into Night Court. court. That, yeah. that was my problem. But just John Larroquette is my villain of just like, Captain? <laughs> Captain. My, his arm gets cut off. You cut off my arm! You cut off my arm! <laughs> I went with the person I kept on saying throughout the entire movie of who was, should have played this part, Ricardo Montalban. Oh, nice. Ah, Captain... You test me. You test me, Captain. Don't taste such Captain a lot. Yes. Well, you, you know, uh, that's very true. Yeah. Fantasy Islands, Ricardo Montalban. Sure. Um, how about your Sharon? 
I didn't cast one. Oh, didn't think about it. I'm yeah, sorry. Okay, I'm going to give you yours. Uh, you can do mine. Diane Lane. No. Diane, uh, um, Diane Lane. Ch- Diane oh my Chambers. God. I'm doing Diane. Right. I'm yeah. combining random no, no, no. stuff. You're not going to do that because your, your, your Sharon is going to be Marky Post. Oh, sure. So that's my that was my night court pull for you, so you okay. can you can keep up with the night court thing. Good, We're gonna good, do good. My, She had kind of marky post hair. Yeah, she did. One time, my wife got her hair cut, and it had this weird like bangs thing going on. Like there, uh-huh. and I'm like, you look like marky post. <laughs> and she kept like getting really mad at me. I'm sure she had no idea who that was. Oh, she knows night court. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. She's a child of the '80s. Okay. Um, and finally. Who played your Otis? Oh, who is your Sharon? Did you just yeah? That's did the you Sharon. Go that's Marky oh, Post. Okay. Yeah. Um, who is your Otis? Your, uh, your my Ned Otis. Beatty, your Ned Beatty. Uh, I decided to go back to Cheers, Cheers and I went with George, George Wendt. Wendt. <laughs> yeah, that's who I went with. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Just my phone's ringing. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Mr. President. <laughs> I gotta go. The president wants me. I gotta to go. <laughs> Norm Otis. <laughs> I was thinking that or Judd Hirsch would have been my other one oh. from Taxi. And I know you love Taxi. I work for the newspaper. <laughs> My, my David? David? <laughs> my president? Oh, I was going to do my, my actual... Um... Well, we can still keep going. It's fine. I, 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 just, I didn't pause oh, I it. it. Hold on. Oh, your Canon thing? Oh, I just got it back with a control Z. Yeah. My, I want to really quickly do my Canon casting. Okay, you can just do Just because Canon I want to do my Canon... Because when you had texted me yesterday that we were going to do a Canon version, I thought about it and I worked on it this morning and I wanted to make sure and I, I was curious if this was anywhere where your head was at okay I only had a couple uh, my uh, director um, of course I went with Toby Hooper yeah because he was going to do the Spider-Man movie uh, <laughs> Judd Hirsch as Spider-Man <laughs> Judd Hirsch as Spider-Man my Mary Jane <laughs> spider get bit by a spider ow I got hit by I gotta go to the hospital my cat because we're going for maybe, let's not call it a hard R, let's maybe call it the soft R slash maybe hard PG-13. Uh, we're going with Chuck Norris. Okay, that's... As yeah, my Captain America. That's what I would have went with. Uh, my Red Skull, just to make this a remake of Delta Force, is Lee Marvin. Nice. I can see that. He kind of looks like Red Skull even without the makeup. Exactly. And uh, just for kicks, my, uh, my Otis, <laughs> my Ned Beatty, is John Voight. Nice. That's a good call. Yeah. I like all those. You just went with first blood. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. I, I just went with exactly where their kind of head was at action-wise. And yeah. I thought uh, that was maybe how they would have approached this at the time. But I'm glad that oh, you this... Know I didn't mention that, but Toby Hooper directed Life Force. He did. Which, canon film, which mm-hmm. is amazing if you were like... like 14 when you saw that movie for the first yeah, time. Yeah, he did a, uh, a little bit of work for Canon. He did, they put out uh, both Texas Chainsaws. They yeah. put out the original Texas Chainsaw in the 70s, and then they did the super goofy comedy movie, comedy slasher movie that was Texas Chainsaw 2 that was all about just like Leatherface shrugging awkwardly. <laughs> with, with that poster that Making like, like weird they campy. Make, in the movie they make a reference in the, in the documentary they make a reference to the, the billboard, that the infamous one that looks like The Breakfast Club because I yeah. think they came out the same year. Yeah. Yeah. Three, two, one, cue Leonard. Hi, I'm Leonard Malton and this okay. is the movie Police. Today we'll start with our video watch. Just re-released on video is the movie Gremlins, though I really can't imagine why. Now, I know some people found this movie fun, but me, I'd rather spend two hours having root canal work done. 
What's fun about a movie full of ugly, slimy, mean-spirited, gloppy little monsters who run amok and attack innocent people? Our moviegoers so desperate for entertainment that this kind of trash has to fun. Whoa, wait a minute. Boy, just kidding. Oh, a ten. It's a ten. All right, so um, our top three. Now, this is a hard one for you, so... Yeah, I, I had a lot of... We had a lot of back and forth, and, and at the I tried to, you know, generally on the show, we'll do... Um, top threes that relate sort of thematically or or contextually to the movie that we're talking about. Um, and I just had a heck of a time because there were certain things that we've already done <laughs> or they were too similar to things that we've already done that I kind of wanted to take a break. Like I thought about like World War II movies or, you know, Nazi. Like there's this, there's a lot of directions we could go. And I said, you know what? Um, this movie came out in 1990. Um, let's just do our top three movies of 1990. Because, well, we, I don't think we'd have... The only other superhero movie I think came out in the 1990, I don't know if this is on your list, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would have been the only other one. God, was that 90? Yeah. Well, it's not on my list, I can tell you that It's much. not on my list either. The, um, wasn't the uh, Dolph Lundgren Punisher 90, or was that technically 89? I think it was 89. Okay. Well, I like the idea of kind of doing that maybe occasionally as we do some of the older ones, just to kind of work through... Just talking about movies kind of oh, yeah. it's, outside it's, of sort of the things that because there's only going to be so many like we're never going to get to like romantic comedies because we talk about comic book movies. And just to be fair, I th- I want to say the years 1988 to like 1992 are some of the like my feeling is the best years of movies in my lifetime. As a 30 something year old, uh, I can't help but agree because yes. <laughs> that's just, you know, that's going to be the best for us because that's what we grew up with. Th- th- I would I would make a solid argument that in in the last 35 years of my life, they don't make the, them like they used to. No, those were like the best 5 years, solid 5 years of movies out there. I can't I could not think of a stretch of years where that great of movies that had such a cultural impact on not only our generation, but many generations. Hmm. I mean, you have to go back to like the 70, 60s and 70s to have movies that have that big of an impact. And like sure. you have to go back. And not even... Well, there was a lot, but I mean, these are like blockbuster movies. I, I would agree with that. I, I, I do think like the early 80s and in the mid 80s, I would say it probably starts in 84, 85. But I would say, yeah, the early 80s... It's it's tough. It's tough to find because there's a lot going on with the studio system that was problematic. They were yeah. coming off of the disaster of the late seventies of mm-hmm. movies like uh, Heaven's Gate by Samino. Yeah. Um Ishtar. Ishtar <laughs> in nineteen eighty, I wanna say. Like just these big budget Flops. independent movies that flopped. And Fitzcarraldo. <laughs> well, less so Fitzgeraldo, but yes, <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, that I'm just kind of a, thing. of a movie that's like super expensive that makes no sense, but that kind of a thing. And so you started to get that whole thing of just like we're going to start churning out these formulaic hits, some of which were great in their yeah. own way. Um, and anyway, your number three well, film th- of 1990. Just an addendum oh, on there. Okay. I still think the year 1989. To me, the summer of 1989 was the best summer of well, movies. Summer of 89. Well, summer of 89, you had Batman, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, UHF, um, I think uh, uh, Ghostbusters 2. And mm-hmm. you could just keep naming them and naming yeah. them. And name. There was a fantastic Indiana Jones Last Crusade. That, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, just a fantastic year for movies. But anyway, um, 1990. So my number three movie. Um, 
it's not a great movie. I think we're gonna have a lot of overlap. I, don't I know. think we'll have our. I think we have the same number one because how can we oh, not yeah, have we the same, same number one? There's only one best movie, movie of 1990, 1990, and we both know what it is. But it's not the movie that won Best Picture of 1990. I'll tell you that. But but you're yeah. you're number three. My number three is not necessarily a fantastic movie, but it's probably one that made a huge impact on me as a kid and my movie watching experience. It's um the classic Arnold Schwarzenegger sci-fi movie. Um, Total Recall. What's it called? I can't recall it. Uh, oh, I'm Total sorry. Recall. Why'd you step I on my ruined joke? Your joke. I'm sorry. That's all right. I thought you were just. I that thought you were prompting the, me. Oh no, no, to say what it was because you knew I knew what it was. Yeah, Total Recall. Um, just the, a mind bleepery of a film. As a kid, so good. As as a, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger playing. He's playing a schlub who wants to be an action hero. And he goes to do this. I, I, why would I describe the plot to you guys? But the great thing about it is to this day, I still have debates with people about whether or not the plot actually happened or it's all still in Arnold Schwarzenegger's head. Hmm. And it's I love Those are the best movies. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a you know, Paul Verhoeven directed it, and Paul Verhoeven mm-hmm. is just the Paul w- Robocop Verhoeven. Verhoeven. I think he didn't he use Showgirls. Ooh. Uh maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, what, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Okay. He is so bizarre. Great score by Jerry Goldsmith. Um, fantastic. Yeah, Sharon Stone, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So many great scenes, like, with that old lady head that opens up. The that no, messed the, me up. That the, messed me up as a kid. No, I did not understand that. The, what messed me up as a kid is the tracker in the nose when he's pulling it out. Yeah. And he's, and he's doing that arm ah. like, ah. And he does it on Mars. When he's on Mars, Mars and his head's bugging out, and he goes, <laughs> and the woman with the three oh, boobs, the, yeah. the three-boobed woman is like, every, and the quad. You talk about, you talk about old family guy, <laughs> and where he mentions the, he's like, you could have anybody, and it's like, <laughs> the, t- the three-boob girl from Total, Total Recall. Recall, and they're like, Peter, you know that's fake, and he's like, oh, really? Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> it's fake. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> And like, in the in the quato in the stomach. Oh, yeah. it's so many great visuals. Quaid, stop the reactor. I do love that movie. Quaid, so good. Give the Martians air. Oh my god, he's got a terraform Mars. He's got That's a terraform Mars answer. with the alien with the alien air device. It is. If for any younger listeners who have never watched that movie, watch it and then watch it again with the commentary by Arnold Schwarzenegger because Arnold Schwarzenegger literally just describes what's going on on screen and he's like, "Yes, this is the part where I know he's lying because I see the bead of sweat and yes, I know he's we've lying." We've done that. Yeah, we have watched Total Recall with the commentary and it is the single greatest, funniest, most useless commentary track I've ever heard. He literally just explains, and then there's long pauses, <laughs> and then he's just like, "Oh, this lead." This is the scene where, and you're just like, oh my god, why is this? Why did they record this? <laughs> it's it's probably the second best commentary next to um, the Mallrats commentary with Ben Affleck, it, oh, which is fantastic. Sure. Um, so, what's your number three? My number three, um, and God, I love Total Recall. Yeah, it did not make my list, but that's <laughs> probably my number four. Uh, my number three is a movie that I actually revisited not that long ago because uh, I am doing, my wife and I are actually doing a chronological Coen Brothers rewatch. Uh, so my number three is Miller's Crossing. Mm. Their third movie, um, they did Blood Simple first, then Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona, okay, Raising and Arizona. And then yeah. Miller's Crossing, which tonally, 
it's 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 an interesting bridge between those two. It's it's such a it's not a funny movie, although it has its funny moments. It's but, like all Coen Brothers movies that aren't their strict up comedies. They're, right, I would they're say sh- it's their first hands down great movie because Raising Arizona is really great, but it's a very great silly comedy where when you're watching it in order and you kind of think of them going from blood simple to raising Arizona, you're like, okay, what are these guys doing? And then they make Miller's crossing and it's prohibition era. It's, you know, Gabriel Byrne, just like that aloof, like playing both sides. You John Turturro in that first great role of just, you know, he lets him lit that that scene in the forest where he lets him live, and then he comes back and he's like, "I got you by the balls." Like, it's one of the most unbelievable noirs. It's made kind of after noirs became fashionable. If you want to understand how they ever came up with Fargo and the Big Lebowski, you have to watch Miller's Crossing. Miller's Crossing, yeah. The first, I would say, the first great film of the nineteen nineties. It's it is really up there. It's not. I I would probably put that on my list if I, like I had like a bit like you know me I like a lot more of the of like the movies that are like super fun like Miller's Crossing is not a fun movie to watch and yet it's I've exhaust- watched it it's exhausting like, to watch I don't know I've watched it probably three times I'd say I watched it for the first time a few years ago it actually one that took me a little while to catch up with and then I watched it again kind of randomly and then. We did this sort of big rewatch where I'd never seen Blood Simple, so we watched that. Where I was trying to watch everything yeah. in the lead up to Hail Caesar, and I just took way too long, and yeah. I, mean, I, I didn't get I'm very not, far. But I'm not downplaying Miller's Crossing. I'm just saying Miller's Crossing. Like you watch it once, and you're like, Whew. "Yes, okay. you need a breather. I need to breathe." Yeah, it's it's oh one my of those God. movies. And the yeah. scene where, um, and I can't remember who plays. Gabriel Byrne's boss, the guy, the crime boss. Oh, God, it's been so long. And they try to kill him in his house, and they set his house on fire, and he pulls the Tommy gun out from under the bed, and he spends, that's like a 10-minute scene of him just shooting his way out of his house, just like, that's how he got to be the the crime boss. Like, he's the guy. Like, you do not mess with him. No, He will kill you. It's, it's... It's a very, very. It's a great movie, movie, and yeah. it's, it's very it's, serious movie. If I had to put it like uh, t- terms of like top of the best movie, like when I'm saying best movies, not like my favorite movies, but like the best movies, and I would definitely put that in there. The top movie of 1990, yeah. one of the top movies, 90. My number one is probably the best movie of 1990. I, yes. Yeah. So All right. Your my number two. My number two. Um, one ping only. We have to look for the hunt for October. Was that 1990? 1990, sir. No. Yes. Because if it was, then that's my number two. (laughs) Wait, how did I miss that? Um, The Hunt for Red October, March 2nd, 1990 came out. Um, Probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, one of my great go-to drinking movies, and Kevin knows it because I make him watch it quite often when I'm oh drunk. Oh, my God. Actually, I think that was like the first movie that Kevin ever bought me on Blu-ray was The Hunt for October. I did. And I it was still like have a it, yeah. birthday it was a birthday or a Christmas gift, gift or something. I'll, sometimes I'll make, How did I miss it? Sometimes I'll make my wife watch it because she loves young Alec Baldwin. She likes old Alec Baldwin, too, but... Alec Baldwin as Jack Ryan. It was the first Jack Ryan movie made. You know, they've gone to... Uh, played by Harrison Ford. A fantastic movie with no women... And a bunch of semen. <laughs> um, we both know that women and semen don't mix. mix. <laughs> Pish posh, Smithers. Um, <laughs> the 
a great a great in the in the style of a classic submarine chase movies of Run Silent Run Deep or The Enemy Below. Uh, just a, a movie about a Russian a, a Russian captain defecting and his own yeah. working against his own crew with uh, Tim Curry in it and uh, the guy who ran for president. Why <laughs> can't I think of his name off the top of my head? But it's just Fred like, Thompson. Fred Thompson, yeah, yeah. he plays this. He plays the captain. Just died. Yeah, Seaman Jonesy, the oh. greatest, uh, the greatest sonar technician known to mankind. That's a. I spoke too soon saying Total Recall was my number four. Total Recall is my number five. Hunt for Red October is my number four. The difference between Pagliacci and Paganini is Pagliacci is his tenor. Yeah, Paganini doing is opera. Not, yeah. Oh my god, that guy, that whole scene. Oh my god, that whole character. Did he just crazy Ivan left? Because if he crazy Ivan left, he's gonna crazy Ivan right next. Oh my god, it's just like it's such a great man's movie. Like it's a movie that I'm gonna watch with my son. And be like, you watch this to learn how to be a man. <laughs> Involves being in a submarine, apparently. <laughs> no, that's a fantastic and, movie. I'm, I'm a little disappointed I didn't. Because we, we very quickly decided to do the, the 1990 movie, yeah. movies. And I, and I just skimmed a yeah. list of those movies. And for some reason, it just was not. I see it now on the list. Yeah. And I just missed it from um, the cover. And, and to put it into... It directed by John McTiernan, who's one of the greatest action directors of all time. Mm-hmm. Die, um, Hard Die Hard and Die Predator. Hard 3, but um, not Die Hard 2. Yes, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Last Action Hero, which is not that great. No. Um, 13th Warrior, which is another one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I listened. Um, I listened. But John, yeah, it's it's this fantastic, just, it's it's very procedural. It's It all takes yeah. place in a few hours. Um and it's it's how do you solve this? it's a very well, it's, was it a base on a book was it's it Jack Grisham? Ryan it's, oh, it's a it? it's a Clancy book it's Jack Clancy Ryan. Yeah. Clancy right you said that okay. yeah it's 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 Jack Ryan series it's mm-hmm. it's procedural it's all Alec military is Jack Ryan I would have liked more Baldwin Jack, Jack Ryan, Ryan movies. I would have liked it too yeah um it's and it's Alec Baldwin in his prime Alec Baldwin in his prime he talks like this <laughs> um. He wasn't and, quite that yet. He was more like this. And one of my it's, it's post Beetlejuice. And one of my favorite sequences of all time, and I will go back to this as one of the greatest filmmaking decisions of all time. It's they start off and they're doing everything in Russian on the Russian boat, and of course you it's all subtitled. And then it goes to uh, Sean Connery playing a Russian captain with a Scottish accent, of course. And he it gets to him and he's talking and he's reading a verse from the Bible and then he ends on the word Armageddon and he says that in English and then it transitions to them speaking English. And people, you like that scene and I hate that so much, but I'll allow talk it. About I'll that allow scene it. All the time yeah. is a great scene. I'll allow it. And it's like we will dock off the coast of New York and listen to the rock and roll music. And you're just like, yes. Yes, Sean Connery. Yes, I love you. I. Why I'm, are you Russian? <laughs> but you're Scottish. I don't understand. You, you, you love every. You love everyone who any man who watches that movie will love it. It's I, great. I it's say. very good. If you don't love it, you're not American. <laughs> What's your number two? Yeah, I would say that about 1990s Captain America. <laughs> What's your uh, my number two? I've actually talked about before on this podcast back when we did Tim Burton's Batman. Nice. I, yeah. My number two was my favorite Tim Burton movie when we did our top three Tim Burton movies. Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands. Such. So a, I've already mm. talked about it, but and to, so I won't belabor that just to speed things along. But I will say something that I've wondered about that that I, I saw recently. How do you think? And I'm not, I'm going to get a little crass here. I'm going to I'm going to go a little blue. But how does Edward Scissorhands wipe? <laughs> I feel like that's a very valid question. That uh, two words for you, Kevin. Two words. 
very carefully. I thought you were going to say two words. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't. Vincent. Uh, Vincent Price. Vincent Price. Ooh, you get a little poopy two words. on you. That's how he. That's how he wipes. Vincent Price. I have to wipe you. you have a little poopy uh, on so, you. So yeah, I won't belabor it because we've talked about it. But um, just one of the movies that defines everything about why I got into really loving movies as opposed to just sort of like everybody who's just like everyone likes movies. Everyone enjoys watching the occasional movie. But for me, that is one of the movies that made me go, Oh, I like film. Like I like movies. Yeah. I'm going to that would definitely, watch a lot of movies. If I had to pick my, like, what well, was I was saying? Like with Miller's crossing, if I had to say like the best directed, like one of the best movie movies, like cinema, like <laughs> you just spilled all over yourself. Jesus Christ. I just <laughs> if, dribbled a little wine. If I said like best pieces of cinema of the 1990s, Edward Scissorhands would be on See, that list. And I, and I guess, and I'm with you about making that distinction, yeah. but to an extent, I feel like when it comes to movies, for me, they're yes. they're kind of one and the same. For you, that's definitely true. For you know, yeah. for me, I'm less so yeah. with like some other things where I'm just like, oh, but I really enjoy you know some goofy thing like Total Recall, where I'm like, I'll put Total Recall and Hunt for Red October just off my list. But there are better. There's what Close Up was that Kiristami or whoever. Like, there's yeah. a lot of like. Really God. artful movies from that era. That There's a lot of really great movies, like artful movies from that era, and I'm just like, I'm not gonna, they're not gonna make my list quite. Uh, but I recognize their greatness. But you're talking about, I mean, mm-hmm. what I've said so far, Miller's Crossing and mm-hmm. and uh, Edward Scissorhands. Those aren't artful, mm-hmm. obscure movies. No, Everyone's probably seen those. They're yeah. great. Yeah. Anyway, your number one and your number one and my number one. Is Goodfellas. Goodfellas. The only <laughs> movie that could top a list of movies from the ni- from 1990. I don't that know. That year, it doesn't even come close. What else you could say? The movie that lost Best Picture to Dances with Wolves, Ugh. which is uh, probably one of my least favorite movies of all time. Next to, to win Best Picture? Uh, well, definitely or just, to, period. Just, uh, well, I'll put to win Best Picture on that one next to like the English Patient. It's that movie is a slog to Don't get tell through. Brad, the English Patient is one of Brad's top five movies. It is. He's told me. Brad, a mutual friend of ours. Sorry. Yeah. Um. So the movie Goodfellas. Where do we start off with Goodfellas? The Goodfellas is everything that's great about Scorsese movies. Um, where you love people who are awful. Like you want them yeah. to do nothing but succeed in this movie, even though they are awful, awful people. Because he does such a good job of making you love them. For as long as I could remember, I wanted to be a super soldier. <laughs> he, That's what we needed. Martin Scorsese's he's, he's Captain America. Captain America. Where Captain America grows up in Brooklyn and becomes a mobster. Because <laughs> <laughs> in reality, nothing's more American than being a gangster. Sharon, that was all we had. <laughs> that was all the super soldier serum we had. I'm sorry. I flushed it. They were Nazis were coming. What did you do? <laughs> God. We could spend an entire two or three podcasts just talking about Goodfellas. We I mean, won't, but... I mean, I think that the key thing to Goodfellas is it just what makes you what makes it so good is that you do fall in love with the characters in like a very familial sense. You you want to be friends with with De Niro. You want to be friends with with Ray Liotta. You want to be friends mm-hmm. with Pesci in that movie. Um, you know, they make it look so cool while they, also showing 
how incredibly flawed all, the whole system is and how screwed they are. Yeah. This is not something to envy. And yet you want to, you kind of want to be in it. Yeah. And I think, th- and that's, that's the key that you want to be in it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's such, such classic scenes in there. And I always joke that like, I, I I love turning off the movie right after Ray Liotta gets out gets out of prison because then he gets addicted to coke and the movie takes like this really weird heart racing down sp- yeah spiral where you're right. just like oh god I don't want anything to do with this and he's, yeah it's intense you know Debbie Mazar's in it and you're like I don't want to walk look at Debbie Mazar Beatty's looking for helicopters <laughs> that are chasing him <laughs> you, see those helicopters? you know, you know it, <laughs> yeah it's it's so intense of a movie yeah and at the same time. It, I, I just I feel like that's what a good movie does is it makes you you really love the protagonist of the movie and, and when he even he's his own antagonist too yeah. you know and you know you got Billy Bats and all, it's so many classic scenes yeah. and all of that and my wife hates Goodfellas <laughs> one of uh, so, mine does not care for it either she says this is not a movie for it's me a, it's a man's movie it's not I a think. movie for me yeah. Um, did a little personal on it there was one time uh, a couple summers back where I pretty much cut my finger off with oh, a yeah. with a with a bandsaw mm-hmm. uh a table saw actually and i had to go to the hospital and my wife came and picked me up you know t- i was like i cut my finger off and i'm like diana you need to come pick me up and she's like okay and then i call her back i'm like uh, i just threw up i think i'm okay i'm gonna drive myself to the hospital she's like no um she was with me in the hospital room as they're stitching up my finger and as i'm waiting to get my finger stitched up goodfellas is on tv and i'm high off my ass oh, on sure. hydrocordone right. and, and morphine probably morphine yeah and i'm watching goodfellas i'm like this is as good as it gets <laughs> just that's it yeah that's the right frame of mind to watch that movie and you know what the best part about it was was my wife had to be there with me and she had to watch goodfellas with me so here's my goodfellas story of recently just to i didn't cut anything off but for some reason i was sitting there and i don't remember it was christmas time like two or three years ago I think it was like two years ago, and I'm sitting there, and a great I really wanted too. to watch, yeah, because they play Frosty the Snowman by the Ronettes, yeah, and so right after I was sitting there, and I was like, I really wanted to watch Goodfellas. I, I was obsessed with watching Goodfellas. It's Christmas Eve. My wife was doing a thing like at church, and I had I had made dinner, and we had eaten, and we're all decked out for Christmas. Did you slice the garlic really thin? Well, I did. We 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 hosted Chris. We we're hosting Christmas. And I'm all set, and I'm like, I really want to watch Goodfellas. And I look on Netflix, it's not there. I look on Hulu, it's not there. I look on Amazon, it's available on Amazon Prime. I was not yet an Amazon Prime subscriber, but I could get a 30-day trial to Amazon Prime. I signed up for Amazon Prime. I'm still a member. But two years ago, I signed up for Amazon Prime just so that I could watch Goodfellas on Christmas Eve because... Damn it! That's what I was doing, uh, and I don't regret it. And no. I, 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 it, it was it was the perfect thing to be watching at that moment. Yeah, I, as I say to any of our listeners out there, any of the movies that we mentioned from 1990 are great watches. Like all of them are fantastic movies to watch. All right, so um, Captain America, um, the 1990 direct-to-video movie. I mean, what can you give it? I mean, it's 
it almost on some level defies grading and criticism because it's so terrible and it knows it's so terrible. But as we talked about, like we had a lot of fun watching it and that's worth something. Yeah. No, I agree. Right. Yeah. I mean, so we've got to, I guess, think about the movies that we've kind of watched so far. And we said, Man of Steel, which Ugh. I gave a D, and you gave a D minus to. Yeah. But this movie is much better than that. Yeah. So what can I do but give it, I don't know, a C minus? I, you know what? It's a B movie, so I give it a B. Really? Okay, that seems high. It does seem high, but I think... Because, what, I mean, look at how... So bumbling so much of this was. Just the leaps in logic of just like the president gets kidnapped while he's, I don't know what, wandering by himself through. Like, that would have been a great scene to show. Show them taking out the service Secret Service agents and kidnapping him. Like, I'm not saying the president could never get kidnapped. I'm just saying... Show it. Right. You can't just go... And then the president was kidnapped. You can't show that on the news during Wheel of Fortune to go like, yeah, okay, the president was kidnapped. Here's, More on this story as it develops. Here, here's the reason why I gave it a B. And it's mainly because I'm looking at it in hindsight, and I'm looking at it in that I'm watching it with you. I'm watching it with a friend. And I laughed my ass off. I had a lot of fun watching it. It was see. That's the only reason I give it a C minus as opposed to an F because it's an F quality movie. It's, an, it's a failure, technically and story wise, on just about every level. I I I agree that. I, well, I wouldn't say technically, but I would say story wise, it is an F. It's, I would say technically. I mean, they, they, they tried. There's no technique to this movie whatsoever. <laughs> the uh, the only thing technique wise I'll say to this movie's benefit is that they knew their limitations and they didn't try to do anything fancy. Exactly. the The reason why I I I, I like it more than I, I give it a higher grade. I shouldn't say we probably liked it about equal, but it's just the in terms. I'm not looking at it in terms of I didn't go into this movie thinking like Batman v Superman or Man of Steel. This is not see right. I, I'll yeah. agree with that because I went into this movie knowing that it had a nine percent and knowing that people had given it an F, and I was like, I can't imagine that I will give this movie an F. I can't imagine that because I would never give an F or even like a, a D to a movie that as bad as it was, I enjoyed watching. Sure, yeah, it's. I put an enjoyment of watching but the movie. So much of our laughter was it like, "What is <laughs> happening?" happening? I know that's the that's the, the I know, rub, right? The, I guess. But the thing is, is that they didn't like they didn't the the stuff that was bad was mind bogglingly bad. But they didn't try and cover it up. They, I guess, I, the feeling is, is like they were in on the joke, but they weren't in on the joke. I get that they weren't in on the joke. But it's, I kind of feel like they were in on the fact that this is a low-budget movie. There's not much you can do with it because it is so low-budget. It's, it's, it's a silly, nonsense movie that was probably made for the cost of my house. And <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. And it, it shows. You know what looked good? This is kind of random, but you know what looked good? Hmm. The shield. The shield. The, the, I'll say that. The aluminum the, or plastic shield. shield that they had yeah. um, looked reasonable and i think I, I, it didn't look much better than the one that the, chris evans carries around. no no you know and i think and what it did have was something that's completely missing from most modern superhero films is that humor that 
silliness to it. The the light I shouldn't say humor, but like the light. Yeah, it wasn't very funny, but it was very light. Yeah. That was a thing that I, and that was when we were talking about comparing this to uh Tim Burton's Batman, you know, from a major studio, a big release to try to kick sort of franchise, which it somewhat successfully did. Um this is sort of the flip side to that. This feels like and it was almost like the direct to video you know, goofy, cheesy equivalent of Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah. You know, this does feel uh, an air to... It's very clear that this came from the same people who made a lot of the Superman sequels. Yeah. They understood what it was to take a comic book and put it on screen. Yeah. They understood that. And the arrow was such where they had no choice but to kind of frame it a certain way and... They couldn't do what, say, Watchmen did, where they're like, we're going to take, or, or, or Batman v Superman, or um, any of those where they say, let's take a particular run of comics, a particular story from a particular writer or artist, and let's put that on screen. <clears throat> Coming at it from that perspective, they were just like, Captain America is a cartoon character. Let's make a live action cartoon. Like, this is, that's exactly what they did here. Yeah. And. There's no way they achieved a B with this movie from a comic book movie standpoint, from a movie standpoint. I, I can't even begin to rationalize yeah, I that. I mean, I gave Batman v Superman a C minus, and as much as I, there's parts of that movie I liked, I left that movie going, what? What's, what? What? This movie, I'm like, there's, I don't, I'm not going to think about this movie later. Except for the fact of like this movie is so completely silly. It's, but I th I think that it's just like that hindsight. Like if I saw this, if we were watching this in 1990 and we were doing a podcast, and people were like, "What's a podcast? <laughs> what is the internet? What is the internet? <laughs> you could get pornography on it. We put this on a list serve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she's on a Unix computer. Um, the we would pro I'd probably hate it. I would I would probably be like, this is stupid. You know, like. The Goodfellas just came out. Like, how is this yeah. going to compare to Goodfellas? But in watching it now and watching it and framing it as I had in my mind, it was fun. I would I would watch this movie a hundred times more than I would watch Man of Steel. Oh, God, I agree. I agree so much. And then yeah. that's what... And that's and that's the difference. And that's why you're on this podcast. You are the movie guy. You 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 will look at this critically. I'm going to look at it as a, as a fan as a guy who enjoys a movie like Total Recall for the for the three boobs. It's like this is enjoyable. Most other big budget stuff not as enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. This movie is unfairly maligned. I will give it that. If you look yeah. up this movie and uh on IMDb I think it has a 3 out of 10, you know, and, and that's harsh. Like, no, it's not very good, but this is one of those things where, like, I think a lot of the people rating it either have never seen it or saw it once a long time ago and just remember that the effects are kind of bad and, like, Cap is kind of jumping <laughs> and then they cut like he jumps and then he cut like and, he's and then wearing... they cut and he's landing like it's very very cheesy he's but, wearing loafers but it is not at all like i i'll say this this movie is consistent 
from the beginning. It's very consistently constructed. Like, this is not made by people who have never no. made a movie before. Yeah. You know, Albert Pion has a decent number of credit, had a decent number of credits to his name, including Jean-Claude Van Damme and Cyborg. <laughs> Prior to making this movie, like these, this movie was made by people who know how to make a movie. Um, it's just unfortunate that I just I wonder about that '80s version that they might have made, mm-hmm. like what that could have looked like. I think it would have been a very different, sort of a weirdly remarkable movie. And unfortunately, given the studio situation and the budget, and um, the you know everyone was in debt and just. Oh, the yeah. fact that this movie is even still available to be seen is super weird. Doesn't really jive no. with the reality of the era. And now let me let me put another caveat on my grade of a B is that you put a you gave it a C minus, and I completely think that's a fair grade. Especially you know I I, I get where you're coming from with it. I I just I just enjoyed it a whole hell of a lot more. <laughs> You, we enjoyed it, I think, the same, but yeah. you're not, you're just like, we, <laughs> exactly. and I'm like, yeah, yeah. but it's kind of terrible in its own way, but yeah. I'm not willing, yeah. you know, the fact that someone could give this movie an F shows either that they do not like fun, or they're, yeah, it's pretentious, or they're just, yeah, they're just super pretentious, and they're just like, this movie is just, the effects are bad, like, there's not even really that many effects to speak of. Like you just have to go with this movie and just watch it and be like, God, this movie is so goofy. And I would have, this movie would have been infinitely better if it had come out. Let's say three years ago, let's say 87. If this movie came out in 1987, if they had a little bit more of a budget on it Mm -hmm. and let's say they gave the script another go around. Yeah. Where they just filled in some of the gaps. Right. I mean, the movie. I think the movie comes in at a solid like eighty-five minutes. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, I think it's. I think it's like. And we've got that. Like we've talked about the director's cut. Like, yeah. is it? Something I think. It, that... I think it's like a, a a solid eighty-five minutes, and it's like if you just filled in like another five ninety-seven, okay. and the director's cut is a hundred and twenty-four. Wow, two hours. That's for the director's cut. Well, maybe maybe the director's cut filled in some of the gaps. Maybe. Because like I think some of the things that were missing that, that would have made this movie a little bit better, at least in terms of script wise, is a Steve Rogers, um, his, his more like some of the stuff that they capture in, in uh, uh, for the first Avenger, where it's like his love of America, you know, like his scrappy can-do attitude, giving him a little bit something more to fight for, other yeah. than I done goofed, I done goofed, yeah, no, like something like that. I think that would have helped, you know, as much as I don't like the. <laughs> just, I just finish it because you gotta drive home. I, I do. I'm home. Um, but the, yeah, the uh, Your studio. <laughs> yeah, the, the the that kind of and maybe I. You know what? Screw it. I'll go with an Italian Red Skull. Why not? I think a lot of the fun of this movie comes from an Italian Red Skull. And that's another thing where they are consistent. It's yeah. not like the. What could have happened is they could have cast. Who they cast and made him Italian, and then everyone else is German. And you're like, what? Like, why is he running around? Like, is he supposed to be German? No, they went. Is he not? They, they went were. Full they stuck Italian. with it. They said this is. It, it, and and that's why everything takes place in Rome. Like we're in Italy. We're not in Germany. We're not in Austria. We're not even in Poland. Like we're here. <laughs> we are in in, in Italy. Italy. And that's what's happening. Like, 
God bless him. Like, we've done movies that have, are made later where we're just like, why does he randomly have, you know, this character is randomly doing this thing? Like, stuff that just does not make any consistent sense. Well, and I think, like, like for example, with, with the, the modern Captain America movies, is like, Hydra is this this Nazi organization that's not really Nazi because we can't have the Hydra be Nazis. Right. So, but these guys yep. are full on Italian fascists. It's like, yeah. you know, like, they want to just control, right. How everybody does things. They're just evil for the sake of being evil. evil. Yeah. Which I guess Hydra is too, which we've talked about and yeah, it's a little but frustrating, it's- but, but damn, like these guys are just like, I mean, there's, it's so comic booky. <laughs> they come in with Uzis and they're wearing Versace suits. It's, yeah. It's so amazing. You, Captain America gets shot at by guys wearing loafers. That's all. <laughs> we could have ended the podcast an hour and a half ago if I had just said that, and that's your movie. Captain America, who briefly wears loafers, gets shot at by guys wearing <laughs> loafers. <laughs> Speaking Every, Italian with everyone for some reason. Everyone looks so dressed to the nines, and they look comfortable. That's the thing you got to say about Italian. Oh, yeah, they're all very smartly dressed. Uh, uh, God bless Italian tailoring. This clearly was shot in the summer, because everyone's in their summer wear. Yeah, it's and they look great. That's how all these locations were empty, because everyone was on holiday. <laughs> A Roman holiday? Possibly. All right. Uh, go to planetarbitrary.com for all your Planet Arbitrary needs. You can follow me on Twitter at Planet Arbitrary. You can follow Kevin at... At K. White Says. Like our Facebook page, black, backslash comic book logic. Um, we can get up to date. Well, not up to date, but like maybe a couple hours, maybe a day or two behind. Yeah, reasonably up to date. News we try. On comic books, movies, TV, and, you know, stuff. With our one or two sentence spin on it. Yeah, with the... <laughs> hey, how about this? Hey, what's going on with this casting? <laughs> They're re-releasing Batman v Superman again. Ugh. Try and make some money off of it. Uh, <laughs> um, you can listen to us on YouTube on the Game Classy face on the Game Classy YouTube page. Game Classy is a, co- a sister podcast where we talk about tabletop games um, with our own feed. But we're also on YouTube where you can listen to us if we're not given a DMCA notice because of Kevin's sound clips oh, that he enters. God, in. I've got you know. And what's what's really ironic is that I get all of those from YouTube. Yeah, I download everything from YouTube, and yet we're the ones who get taken down because I put fifteen seconds of it up. I can't. I can't explain it. Ugh. It's a weird, weird world. So don't I blame just Sonny Bono. Stop listening to it on YouTube because <clears throat> all we do is get takedown notices. Just download the podcast, subscribe to it. Actually, the just best thing you could do it. is like, comment, subscribe on iTunes. Do that's, that. That's iTunes is still the reigning king. I don't even do that. I listen to uh, uh, Overcast. I listen to it on iTunes, so yeah. I, I give us the hits. That's the way. We there do you it. go. Um, I recommend us on Overcast, which I'm not still. I'm still not sure what that does. And if you ever want to get in contact with us, the best place is on Facebook page. But the other way is you can get contact with me through the su- Game Classy subreddit, our Game Classy, mm-hmm. um, which is a great place. Um, you know, I like to use Reddit quite a bit. Reddit is a great place if you're a white male, <laughs> which I think all of our listeners probably, probably are. are. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you can get in contact with us through the Game Classy Facebook and Reddit page, or you know, I also post on the Comic Book Movie subreddit on there too. We are uh, very responsive on Facebook, according to Facebook. Yes. They list us as very responsive. We both have access to it, so yeah. I mean, we love interacting with you guys, and it's 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 super fun, kind of maintaining this. So our next cast is going to be a little bit weird because Captain America: uh, Civil War is coming out, and that's going to be our next one. So it's going to be a little bit. We might miss a week. 
maybe? Well, yeah. So we obviously we post every two weeks generally, and I th- it comes out next week. Is it next week? Next weekend? I'm not I think exactly it's actually sure. two weekends. Is it two weekends? Um, so we'll figure it out. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll do a little something in between, and, and then uh, definitely we'll, we'll do with the newer releases, the new big studio releases, we'll do them a week late so that everybody has had a chance to do it because we're not going to pull on the spoilers. So for the um, Marvel Phase 3, which is going to be starting with Captain America Civil War, um, Phase 2, we did all of our recasting with 90s movies. Um, so with Phase 3... I'm actually setting a very hard date on this. Oh. We are going to be doing uh, the years 1987 to 1990. Those glorious years that I talked about. So all of our movies that we're going to be doing are going to be recasted from 1987 to 1990. So Captain America Civil War is going to be reset and uh, recast in 1987. So you're going to have free reign on all your actors and directors, everything that you want to do with it. But they're going to carry over from movie to movie. Okay. So sure. that's just that's the game we're going to play on that one. Sounds so good. We need to keep track of this. Okay. And yes. uh, maybe we'll write it down on Facebook after. Uh, we're going to have to. Yeah. yeah we'll so post it. Keep or track. I'll, I'll try to post it in the episodes or something. The episode notes. Yes. All right. So, uh, Kevin, until Captain America, the Civil War. Molto bene. Arrivederci. Comic. Blood. Logic. 